That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thank you for supporting the show. Man, if you haven't checked out Humans Music, please do so. This game is called Still About You. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy Podcast, where we talk about drugs, alcohol, recovery, and more fun shit. We also like to think we help some people stay sober. And uh, I know in the five years, or almost five years, I think, that we've been doing this, uh, it's helped to keep me sober. So at least uh, we know it's doing its job. Uh, now today... We're playing back the live show we did a couple of weeks ago at the Hollywood Improv. Uh, so we're going to hear uh, from uh, from four different uh, guests that we had on the show. And uh, first of all, I want to give a huge thank you to Mark Saratella for helping to put the show together, uh, as well as Joe uh, Sinclitico, who was one of the guests. Uh, and I want to thank all of our guests, John Henson, uh, Darren Prince, Amy Dresner, uh, Joe Sinclitico. Uh, and a big thanks to Matt Gallagher for stepping in last minute to open the show up for us. We really appreciate that. Um, man, we had a really, really good time. And uh, Jess and I got to hang out. We did a quick recap last week of, uh, of our trip down there. We talked a little bit about um, kind of how that went and obviously some other things. Jess burning down or almost allegedly uh, almost burning down the kitchen. Uh, so go back and check that one out uh, if you haven't done so. Uh, and also a big thanks to the improv uh, the staff there was great when we showed up, uh, Rick, the, uh, sound guy said last week, man, he was awesome. I hooked him up with a TSG beanie and he was rocking it right off the bat. So, uh, much love to him and thank you there. And then of course I want to thank my beautiful wife, the Jess for all her support. Uh, we rolled down together and, uh, handled some podcasting duties and, uh, man, we really had a good time and, uh, all of our guests, uh, were awesome. All just solid ass people. We got to, to hang out a little bit before and talk a little bit and I, I just appreciate everyone uh, contributing and coming out. So I uh, hope you guys, uh, well, I don't hope, I know you guys are going to enjoy the show because uh, there's some funny, uh, some funny comedy in there. And there's also some real, some real shit that we talk about that, uh, that uh, revolves around recovery, obviously. Uh, so we're going to get to that in just a minute. Before we do that, be sure to check us out at that sober uh, You can also connect with us on Instagram at real that sober guy uh, and on Twitter at Shane Raymer. Now, finding the right treatment for addiction and mental health illnesses can be tough. And uh, that's why uh, Sober Guy has continued to partner with Foundations Recovery Network. Uh, Foundation stays true to their mission, holds high ethical standards while providing treatment in their nationwide network of residential and outpatient programs. Uh, They have individualized treatment plans, and they're focused on creating lifetime relationships for long-term recovery. And, uh, you know, Foundation's really is great people. I say this every time, but I mean it. I don't say it just to say it. Uh, we, we get an opportunity, like we'll be down there in April at the innovations in recovery conference in, uh, in, uh, Coronado at hotel del Coronado. That's April, the week of the 16th, I think is the first day of the conference. Uh, so, you know, we go down there, we hang out, we do some live podcasting. We get to hang out with a lot of people and, uh, have some fun and also talk about recovery. If you want to learn more about getting some help, for you or a loved one, go to foundationshelp.com slash sober guy, or you can call 833-81-SOBER. That's 833-81-SOBER. And you can talk with an admissions coordinator about treatment options. All right. So sober guy, uh, we have some hats and beanies 
TSG. They got the the X on them for the no drugs, no alcohol uh, symbolism, trying to stay sober, trying to live a positive, healthy lifestyle. And uh, so, hey, we, we thought, let's get some hats and some beanies made up. So you can go check those out at thatsoberguy.com. I think it's the hats tab. We have a merch tab and a hats tab. You can get some hoodies and sweatshirts on there too. Help support us. Grab some gear um, and uh, rock, your, uh, rock your recovery proud with some TSG gear. Uh, last thing before we get to the show today too. Now I get a lot of questions about early sobriety. What do I do? Where do I go? What don't I do? Here's the thing said it before, I'll say it again. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what the hell I'm doing half the time. Uh, in fact, I don't know my head from a hole in the ground half the time or my head from my ass half the time. Hey, it's a process. We're all going through it and we're going through it together. Don't do it alone. That's number one. Number two, I know for me in my first 90 days, I was really confused. I uh, got home from rehab didn't know who the hell this new dude was supposed to be. Am I this worker guy now? New dad, still husband. I can't drink about it anymore. So what am I going to do? Uh, man, it was a confusing time. So here's what I did. I got so many of these questions and went back and looked at the podcast episodes. We had talked a little bit about this before. And it really seemed like there was a need uh, uh, for some info on how to navigate the first 90 days of sobriety. Uh, so what I did, I got together some of my closest friends and colleagues, and uh, we talked about it. We talked about the first 90 days, and we put together a podcast digital course. You can get the course right now for 25 bucks using the promo code half off at checkout, and you can do that by going to thatsoberguy.com and clicking on courses. Now, real quick, we give this course away for free to all veterans. Uh, we love our veterans. We appreciate your service. Um, and, uh, man, we want to support you and active duty at that as well, all we can. And if you or a loved one, uh, who's a veteran is struggling with some, uh, some alcoholism, some addiction issues, uh, we want to help out as much as we can. And, and we'd like to offer the course up to you uh, for free. So if you, in, if you hit us up on Instagram at real, that sober guy, um, just shoot us a, a, a message and, uh, Give us a little details. You're a veteran. You're looking for the uh, for the 90 day sobriety course, and uh, we'll chat a little bit, and then I'll hook you up with the promo code so you can uh, you can get that. And one more time, you go to thatsoberguy.com, click on courses, and you can get that information there. All right. So I think that brings us up right to this. This is a bit of uh, I think this this set that we did was almost two hours long. Uh, so you know, feel free to cut it up. I know sometimes all of us have busy, uh, busy days. So we got to, like, I know for me, I listen to podcasts sometimes in increments. I'll listen to half one day and half the, the next day or whatever you got to do, but don't miss all the guests on this, man. It, we had a really good time. It's live. So it's great. We took some live questions. Um, and we really did have a good time. Once again, thanks to all the guests. Uh, thanks to the Hollywood improv for having us out. And, uh, we're hoping to be back down in that area doing some live shows within the next couple of months. Uh, so here we go. Here is That Sober Guy podcast live from the Hollywood Improv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hollywood Improv Lab. Make some noise. You guys are in the right place for comedy. Uh, thanks for coming out to this show. Welcome. We've got Craig at the bar serving drinks. If you were under a rock a second ago, uh, just head up there if you need anything. There's no cocktail service, uh, as I understand. So just uh, you can get up at any point in time during the show and head, uh, check in with Craig if you need anything. We've got a full restaurant, full bar. 
Uh, silence of cell phones, no talking during the show. Uh, you know, we don't need extra noises or anything. Please, no flash photography or videotaping. And uh, let's sit back and enjoy the show. Without further ado, let's bring up our opener for the evening. Put your hands together for Mr. Matt Gallagher. on is it on is it working it's not really you can hear me oh, I don't know I got a wristband on that's usually a sign of good things to come um, welcome to the sober guy podcast show everybody's feeling good happy yeah anybody go to the March last night or yesterday oh never mind way to support ladies good job good work really good <laughs> my wife and daughter went they have to go you know whatever I installed a stove in a refrigerator because that's what I do. Uh, but they went. My son, Beowulf, he was with a babysitter. That's, I was drinking at the time. That's his name. That's a drinking name decision. You name your son Beowulf. And, uh, yeah, I got five years sober. My son's five years, two months. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's good. He, we call him Beowulf. He's a good kid. Five and eight years old, my kids. Kids are getting big. Not my kids. Everyone else's. Right? Have you seen kids? Anybody? Yeah. Go, do yourself a favor. Go to like a fall festival open bounce house. It's like a pig avatar in there. Bunch of 200-pound sacks of shit flopping around. I, I mean, I, it's seriously, I looked in there. I'm like, holy shit. And I had my kids. I'm like, get in there. This is the new world we live in. You know what I mean? Get in, And I get it. If you're a 200-pound kid, you've never felt weightless before. Bouncing in the back. That's like magic. Do you see any kids skipping down the street anymore? No, their little legs will snap like factory chickens. Oh, my God. My kids were in there for 10 minutes. I'm like, get out. I don't have dental. Like, I was just too scared. Here's a, How many people here have kids? Two? Okay. Everybody else. Come on. Get on board. Let's go. Get kids. Here's some advice. It's going to come a time when you have to volunteer to work at school, and it'll be the Halloween pageant. Do yourself a favor. Let the kids tell you what their costume is. Don't guess. I'm calling kids out. This kid comes out. I'm like, look at this little guy, Friar Tuck. He's like, I'm a Jedi. <laughs> okay. Never saw a morbidly obese Jedi, but whatever. Go ahead. Happy on. Then next girl comes out. I'm like, ooh, look, it's a bear. She's like, I'm a kitty. And her mom gets pissed at me. She's like, didn't you see her tail behind her? I'm like, I didn't even see you behind her. <laughs> yeah, the last kid I got, like an easy one, a kid comes out in a little cowboy outfit. I'm like, hey, he's a tough cowboy. Little snotty shit. He goes, I'm Woody from Toy Story. You seen it? Like, yeah, I saw it. You look more like Hoss from Bonanza. Holy shit. Go on there. there though. Don't break the stage. What? Listen, 40% of kids in this country are morbidly obese by the age of 10. Try getting on a plane in 15 years. <laughs> I'm taking the train, everybody. But I try and do my part. I got kids. I have to feed them right. Uh, I go to, they go to school in West Hollywood, so I can't give them fast food. If you bring fast food to a school in Hollywood, you might as well just punch your kids in the face. Parents will look at you like you're nuts, right? I've seen parents go like, is this McDonald's? Like, like there was a bullet casing on the ground. Is this McDonald's? Did someone bring McDonald's? Look at this, someone brought McDonald's. So I go to like farmer's markets now. You guys like farmer's markets? Really? You don't think it's bullshit? <laughs> At all? Listen, I, I grew up in New Jersey. I'm like looking for the angles. Like, the honey lady? Give me a break. 
She's everywhere. Like when she raising the bees, she's at every farmer's market I've ever been to. Same honey lady. She's giving you the spiel. She's like, this is sage honey, and this over here is wildflower honey. Like, how's that work? Train your bees to fly north to the sage and south to the wildflowers? She's like, taste it. You can taste the sage. I'm like, I don't want to taste sage. I want to taste honey. If I want to taste honey flavored, I'll get the bees that attack the quinceanera in Griffith Park. Right? How good would that honey taste? Horchata and Vaughn's cake? Oh, I want, no, that honey would be delicious. Seriously? Flavored honey? Did you guys hear about that quinceanera? They got attacked. Oh, it was sad. Yeah, 16 year old swarm of bees came down. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Uh, but no, and the, the egg lady, the lady who sells the eggs. Have you ever met people who raise chickens? Hey, you guys got to get out of the fucking city. <laughs> Go to a farm or something. Listen, if you meet people who raise chickens, they act like chickens. They're twitchy as shit. It's like somebody doing their first hit of meth. They're like, chicken pie, hey, hey. They talk about chickens all the time. They explain. It's like Betsy, speckled eggs, cock of the walk. Like just bananas. The lady who does the eggs over here on Fountain, calm as shit. Calm as shit. And I know what she's doing. She's going to Ralph's. She's buying five dozen brown eggs, one dozen white eggs. She mixes them all up. She's like, they're wild cage-free eggs, right? So I like challenge her on it. I'm like, you raise these eggs yourself? Because usually there's like stuff on them. These look really clean. She's like, yeah, I raised them myself. They're like perfectly all natural. Are you going to eat them all today? I'm like, yeah, I'm fighting Apollo Creed in the morning, asshole. <laughs> Do you really raise chickens? Because I'm looking at her hands now. And people who raise chickens have fucked up hands. Because, like, they're reaching around stealing eggs all day. They got one grab hand that's a little messed up, and then the grab hand looks like they got shot with buckshot. <laughs> this girl's hands, she could be a hand model. So now I'm figuring she's, like, an out-of-work yoga model, just selling eggs, doing some bullshit. And then I start thinking, how come I've never had a turkey egg? Anybody? Anybody here had a turkey egg? Right? That's rich people food. That's what the Rothschilds are eating. Or the Trumps, you get a, like, can you imagine getting a turkey egg omelet? I'd pay a fortune for that, like auction off my thing. If I had one turkey, I could make like three dozen buttermilk pancakes for my kids. I'd be a hero. But I'm like, good, I got two kids. I'm growing old gracefully, which isn't popular in LA. Is everybody here from LA? Yeah, right, just let it go. Let it go, just grow old. No, stop it. I get emails now, I'm in my 40s, they're like, increase your sex drive, increase your sex drive. I'm like, why? When did that ever do me any good? <laughs> when did sex drive ever do me anything but fuck it up? <laughs> like, I'm out of work, I gotta go, but it's ladies night, ah, I got a wristband. Make every bad decision, the uh, guy's, that girl's boyfriend's in the bathroom, I'm gonna go talk to her right now. <laughs> Plus I'm married to a woman who's in her 40s, so like if I take something to increase my sex drive, I'm just jerking off alone all the time. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> it's a documentary about porn. Uh. I don't do anything sexually that's over-creative now either. That's another thing. I've given that up. I'm going old and mature. No positions. <laughs> what? Missionary position in a nap. I'll look into your eyes. I'll connect with your soul. <laughs> old school. <laughs> and then I'm done. But I'm scared of having another baby. There's always a chance we could have one more. I just got out of diapers. You know what I'm saying? Five and eight. Like, I can't start over again. So if she doesn't get her birth control pills... I'm like a 17-year-old, you know what I mean? I'm like so scared of getting someone pregnant. I like, I, I pull out, back out, come in a napkin and light it on fire. It's like Cirque du Soleil when I come. 
no babies. All right, well, anyway, I just wanted to make sure you guys are having a good time. Loosen up a little bit. You ready for a great show? I'm so excited to be here. This is, like, awesome. I've talked to this guy a few times. I've listened to his podcast. I'm sure you all know about it. I'm really excited. Please welcome Shane Raymer, the sober guy. What's up, party people? How we doing? I want to thank you guys for coming out tonight. It means a lot to me. Um, it's, uh, it's a good time to get out and talk about uh, recovery and have some fun so that we can uh, have a good time and all that. So um, first things first, uh, my name is Shane Raymer. I'm the creator and host of That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. That's what we do. And by helping other people stay sober, uh, I myself say stay sober, and that's really why I started uh, the podcast back in 2014. Um, I... Uh, I've been clean and sober since, uh, let's see, September 11th, 2013, so a little over five years now. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I find it weird just, like, clapping for, and I appreciate it, but it's like, he doesn't do drugs anymore. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> Pretty awesome, right? Um, let me tell you a little bit about me real quick. Um, I love backpacking. I love my family. I love my wife. My, my wife's back here. You probably can't see her back there. What's up, the Jess? How are you? Thank you. She's put up with a lot of shit over the years, so uh, really appreciate her support. Um, we have two kids, cock blocker one and cock blocker two. It's a little difficult these days, as, I, as if I don't have enough already being sober. I'm in my late 30s now. Um, you know, and then throw in trying to have sex with a leg cramp and two kids pounding on the door. It's a little bit difficult, so we're having some fun out tonight in Hollywood, and we get to get out, out of town for a couple days and do some podcasting. Um, now, we have some great guests tonight. We're going to bring them up in just a minute. I just want to say a couple things before we get started. The recovery movement is insane right now. And there's definitely been a movement for a long time. And those of you who are in recovery or who know somebody in recovery, I think that's a, that's a good point, too. I can't count how many times, whether it's in the corporate world, the grocery store, uh, the, my, picking my kids up from school, Wherever it is, if it comes up, it's somebody who struggles with it. Oh, it's my, it's, uh, you know, my brother or my, my dad, my sister. Um, it's a very, very close connection to people. And what things, like this is a little piece, what we're doing tonight, of what's going on on a larger scale across the United States, across the world, is people opening up and talking about recovery, getting it out there, making it, shining some light on it, making it so it's not something that's so stigmatized because everybody's affected by it. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things when we talk about a country that is so divided right now. Now, recovery, it tears a lot of people apart. It breaks families apart. People, unfortunately, die from it. That's the reality of it. But at the same time, it brings people together. Like, I'm in a, uh, a step study group with 12 other dudes, and I'd probably hang out with one of them on the outside just because we're all so different. But you get us together, man, we're like brothers in that. And it's so, so solid and it's such a beautiful thing. And I just want to tell you, this is going to be a special night, and we're a small crowd, but we're a powerful crowd. We're going to sit back. We're going to share some stories. We're going to talk some, uh, some comedy, and uh, we're going to shine some light on addiction recovery tonight. So you guys good with that? All right. All right, so let's bring up our first guest, Mr. Joe Sinclitico. What's up, Joe?
Bull, dude. I'm such a sober douche. I have my sugar-free Red Bull, my vape. <laughs> What's up with the vape, it's man? The That's yeah, perfect. That... I see a lot of people with the vape. Sober, bro. So I didn't. I, it's going good, man. I appreciate you coming out tonight and yeah, helping put this thing together too, man. Yeah, so. I, well, I I'm here a lot. It's funny because uh, I appreciate what you said, but I think it's like the first time I've ever seen somebody be earnest on this stage. I thought about that before. I said, you know what, <laughs> fuck it. I'm just no, no, no. It was great. It was like I was watching. And I was like, God, maybe I should actually like be honest <laughs> on stage. It's kind of working. So yeah. I. I saw one of, one of the things that I, I wanted to read your bio. Actually, is it okay if I do that? Oh, uh, sure, it's, dude. It's so great. So it's my bio. Oh, from my website. Is that cool? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's w- really weird. At least the first line. Yeah, Joe Sinclitico was born from the cybernetic uterus of a wealthy Mongolian investor in the sleepy beach town of La Jolla, California. Yeah, there you go. How's that? I know. Well, because every comedian has these bios, and it's just all like, serious. Who fucking cares, right? Like, why is it? It's like. It's like their time to write something that they think is like honoring themselves. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. So I just, yeah, I, I had to write something weird. And have a little fun with it, right? And have a little fun with yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you've been sober over 20 years. Is that right? I, I've been sober um, since two, let's see, uh, 9-11 happened right when I was so- Now I remember I had just gotten sober when 9-11 happened because I was asleep in my sober living place, and my roommate ran, and he goes, they just fucking blew up New York! A nuclear bomb just blew up in New York! I was like, fuck, dude! <laughs> and then I remember having this thought where I was like, we're gonna fucking relapse! <laughs> There's no fucking way I'm staying sober through the apocalypse! <laughs> what, am I gonna fucking sword fight to a meeting? I'm t- we're fucking drinking i was like the worst i was like ready to rob a pharmacy like i was just i was gone so so was that uh following that was the uh the balcony story oh no no so that i was sober than that yeah so like one of the uh one of the last times like right before i got sober i uh i was in college and uh i uh I got super fucked up, and I was like at my friend's house. And he's a guitar player. He now he's in a, a band called Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. He's like a, he's a right, you know, you know, yeah. He's like a, he's like a rock star now, but at the time he was just like a dude in college, and he was my buddy, and we were getting drunk, and he was a, uh, uh, like he basically he just like a shredding guitar, and he was playing super loud, and his balcony overlooked uh, this. Uh, headquarters for vans the shoe company Mm. right it was their parking lot and everybody would come out there and smoke and i was on the balcony in my underwear i was just in my underwear hanging out and he was playing guitar and i just started like and they were like woo like they started being like woo because i was in my underwear so i started dancing and he's shredding and i'm dancing and pretty soon i'm like naked dancing and they're just like yeah and the fucking buildings emptying out and they're all just like cheering me on and then at one point i uh like i mean it's van so it's like all these like skater bros and just they're probably high as fuck too and i'm uh i i crawled over his balcony so i'm like four floors up and i'm like hanging like this like naked over the balcony I go back inside, and like maybe ten minutes later, there's a knock on the door. I open the door. My friend looks outside. He sees it's the police. He's like, "Joe, stay there." I'm like, "No, bro, I got it, dude." Like just that drunk confidence where I'm like, "Dude, I can handle it, dude." 
And I walk out there, and they're like, can you come outside? I'm like, yeah, sure. What's going on? And they just immediately cuff me. And uh, I'm in my underwear. And so I start, they're like, they ask my friend, hey, can you go get some clothes? And he didn't want to give me his clothes because he knew I was going to jail. So he gave me his girlfriend's clothes. (laughs) So I had a running crop top, (laughs) like those running shorts that like go halfway up your ass. And then like uh, flip flops that were like six sizes too small. What a dick. I know. And and he took me and they were they were super cool. The cops were super cool. They were like, dude, you know that like you could be like charged with like a sex crime. You might have to register like if these people. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, they're going to I was like, they're going to charge me. And then he's like, no, they said it was awesome. But they just thought you were going <laughs> to fucking die. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think it was me. And they're like, we have digital photos. It was before everybody had a phone. So were, were you doing comedy at this time? Uh, yeah, I started doing stand-up when I was 16. In La Jolla, right? In La Jolla. Yeah. And so I had been doing stand-up, but like it was fucking, I mean, it was like just a mess. Yeah. And uh, now it's much better now. But yeah, so I, I went to uh, I went to jail. But then I kept I kept partying <laughs> after yeah. that. Yeah, that wasn't enough. What the guys think in jail of the cute shorts and the crop top? Well, it's funny. I remember uh, waking, I, I passed out in an empty cell and I woke up and I guess they had like busted. Uh, I mean, it's San Diego, so there's there were at the time it was less developed, so there would be like these fields where all these migrant workers would just camp out, and they had busted one of these fields, and they had put them all in the. Gi- so I woke up, and there was like 50 migrant workers all standing around me, and one and my head was right next to the toilet, and I just remember one of them was taking shit like <laughs> two feet from my head, and I was just like. Oh my god! And I had the worst <laughs> hangover. Oh, that was terrible. And uh, yeah, but still, I kept yeah. uh, I kept partying. So you can't. So then, so then you you continue. You already started doing comedy, but you continue doing comedy. Right. Um, what uh, What's that like being sober and being a comedian? I know you know it's kind of a, a half you know. Thing, uh, right? I mean, it's weird. I think that uh, I I didn't I didn't um, I didn't gain much from ever like partying or drinking and stuff like that but the one thing that it 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 taught me was like uh i was i I was never introverted but i think it sort of showed me like oh you can be this life of the party type of guy and not be fucked up and 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 so i knew i could do it yeah and so it was like just a matter of like figuring out how to do it sober right it wasn't it wasn't the booze it was like oh i knew intuitively like it was my it was me i just had to figure out doing it sober so it was just a process of that but it wasn't um i don't know i i was young too when i was doing stand-up so i was like super cocky i was like i'm the fucking best dude i'm so (laughs) funny like it just never crossed my mind that i wouldn't be funny enough to do it so it's funny that you say that though like when we talk about trying to like find yourself like because you create this identity around around uh you know, being high, being drunk or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, damn, I got to really search. Like, wait a minute, I can't use that anymore. Now I got to find out who I really am. Yeah, That's absolutely. not an easy thing to do. And it was weird because I still um, I still really held on to it for a long time. I still tried to be that guy Yeah. Uh, for a long time. It wasn't actually stand-up, I think, kind of provided me an outlet for, like, not being, like, being the annoying guy at the party that's always on. But not being annoying because you're supposed to be on when you're on the, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I stopped doing it less and less, like in real life. Like yeah. I just I wasn't that guy. Um, 
But yeah, I, I, I totally get it. I mean, it's just so... I mean, I feel like it took me like two years before my brain had even like gotten back to baseline yeah, and I even like could figure out the things that I liked and didn't like and yeah, you know what I mean. Um, what is uh, you know, what is your? Are you pretty active in the recovery community or what, like what's your? Yeah, I mean, I still go to meetings. Yeah. Um, I d- about ten years ago I started meditating, so I'm much more Ooh, like yeah. in, in, into meditation. Um, I got really into that. That was like. Do you ever just think the craziest shit meditating? Like something yeah, just like I mean, dropping it. I'm like, oh my God, you're thinking of like tractors and Garfield and yeah, yeah, just yeah. fucking the weirdest stuff. I'm like, totally. what the hell is that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think all the craziest shit yeah. and all the weirdest shit and sometimes you just yeah. But uh that's I, I mean that's part of it. And yeah. uh, allowing yourself to do that, I guess. Right, like, yeah. And I, I think but I think, yeah, like all that type of stuff, anything that is making you you have to kinda either I'm a firm believer in that thing though where it's like you're either like moving up the hill or you're slowly yeah. falling backwards. Yeah, yeah. There's no just like, okay, you're sober, you're good, you're here, yeah, you're happy. It's like you always have to keep chipping away because like there there's new wounds coming in, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's like this a- is not funny. <laughs> We're getting real serious, Joe. I feel so weird. That was so sensitive. That was so sensitive of you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was good though. For real, you got it, man. Yeah, you know, sensitive, bro. No, I know. I I think trying to be. I'm trying to be honest up here. I love it, bro. And that's what it. That's really what it's about. I know. I'm gonna cry too. Should we hug right now? Okay, I don't know. We'll hug later. (laughs) Um, We can hug later. All right, we'll hug later. Um, One one take that I thought was interesting, dude, is uh, and this is complete. This has nothing to do with recovery, but. your your take on '90s hip hop versus today's hip hop? Oh yeah, like, I mean that's some of the f- like and and, and I, I I heard that and I went oh my god like he finally somebody who thinks the same shit like yeah tell us about I, it. Well, I have a joke. I mean it's without like performing it. The joke yeah. is yeah, yeah, basically yeah, about how I I only listen to like hip hop from the '90s because today like the dudes are such pussies compared to like Tupac and Biggie and Dr. Dre. Yeah. And it was like growing up like that was. The thing that fired me up yeah. was these dudes were so hard, and I was like this white kid from the suburbs, and it was like inspiring. Like I'd be listening to them <laughs> on my way to work, and just be like, "Dude, fuck yeah, Tupac!" Like <laughs> when I get to work, dude, I'm gonna tell Tina from HR not to eat tuna in the fucking break room because it smells <laughs> like a dead shark's pussy. <laughs> you know, just getting fired up over nothing. Oh my god! Listening to Tupac. Yep. Yeah. So good, dude. Yeah, so it's legit. great. It's great. I uh, I mean, 90s hip-hop is still the best. It's what I listen to in the gym. Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, I remember going to school and like Just get you fired grade. up. Yeah, I had, had my shirt all buttoned up, the yeah. flannels. You look like dickies. a dude that got in a lot of fucking fights. Uh, uh, it's always uh, weird when you see dudes like him in like uh, AA. Like when I first started coming to AA meetings, I'm like, all these guys look like you're going to fuck me up. <laughs> <laughs> like they just had scars and then they'd be like hey man how are you yeah hella nice huh? are you good <laughs> call me call me here's my number i'm like what the fuck is going on that's i think that's a weird thing like when because like when you go into a meeting there's a lot of guys when a newcomer comes in yeah doing recovery it's like hey here's totally. my phone number give me a call and i yeah. always it's like a fucking date or something yeah, i'm like yeah, don't yeah. i don't know that's just weird to me yeah you're not but it's you, so good at the same time it, it's it's obvious that like as guys we totally need to be like have our like girl time but guy time <laughs> you know what i mean and you don't get it but you get, when you're in recovery that's one of the great things is like you get to have that yeah 
you know, where you're just broing down and just being like, yeah. dude, tell me, like, what's going on with you and <laughs> Sarah or whatever, <laughs> you know? Like, I'm so good now at telling, talking to my friends about their relationships. Yeah. <laughs> that I would, if they would have said that when I was drinking, I'd be like, dude, I don't fucking care. Get the fuck out of here. Why are you <laughs> telling me? such a pussy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop being such a <laughs> pussy, dude. <laughs> That's but now good, I'm like, man. be a pussy, man. Come yeah, on, it's cool. open up. <laughs> Being a pussy is cool. These let days. your pussy out. Yeah, take your pussy flow. out, dude. Is it wet? You like yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Open okay, it, good, air it good. out. Let yeah. it. Let me. I let me know, see man. it. Sensitivity. We're right. sensitive. Yeah, We're sensitive. You days. gotta have it. Dudes are more. I feel like guys are more set, like especially in relationships because. Uh, <laughs> this is so fucking weird. I don't know what I was talking about, but it's like, I always feel like guys have to be uh, super. They feel like they have to be super stoic, and then so women see them being stoic, and then they think that they're not as sensitive as they are. But really, we're just like going around with this like inner critic, like constantly talking about the things that we hate about ourselves and that we constantly do wrong. And then when our girlfriend complains to us, our wife complains to us, it's like that's already it's just echoing the thing in our head you know what i mean like so we're like over and you're like looking at the shelf you're like god i did a terrible job putting this shelf up and <laughs> you know what i think i should just try to fix it and then you, all of a sudden your girlfriend's like if you're gonna fix the shelf just make sure you don't fuck it up this time you're like yeah i fucking know bitch <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it's already it's just like double it's power in your brain oh yeah they're good at that too yeah good, yeah sorry i got it i got I love it up for that this well, it's you, that's still, you can still get pretty fucked up. You ever have a bang? You ever drank one of those? The bang? A bang? Yeah, no, a bang. it's that. Oh, God. Don't, it's this is the dorkiest sober. You ever bang a Red Bull, bang. bro? Yeah. Hammered. Yeah. You're getting hammered. Hammered, dude. Hammered on like it. caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you headed after this? Uh, I have to go to the comedy store. What's and, going on? Uh, yeah, there's a couple shows there. We went there last night, bro. My, my wife and I, we sat right in the front. Yeah, it great. It's a, that's a scary place to sit when it you're was. sober. That's usually reserved yeah. for the drunk people. Luckily, there was a uh, an Asian guy and his buddy who looked like Justin Bieber sitting oh, right yeah, next yeah, to yeah. us. So they just focused on them the yeah, whole time, 100%. which took a lot of the uh, pressure off my It's funny how head. often audience members say that. Like, luckily, uh, <laughs> there was these fucking dorks next to us. And Pretty so much. they were getting slammed. And <laughs> they, gr- they, 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 they took left us alone. Sports, yeah. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Any advice, man, for anyone? I mean, we're recording this too, so it's gonna go back. Gosh, out. I don't Let's know. Let's give your I expert mean, advice. I'm, I'm so I'm so bad at like giving it. Like people will call me all the time because I have all this time, and they're like, "Hey, man, I'm thinking about getting sober. Like, d- what do you think?" I'm like, "Dude, I don't fucking know. Do you want to get sober? You know what I mean?" Like they're like, "Well, I think I might have a problem. Do you think I have a problem?" And I'm always like. If you're talking about something that you think might be a problem, it's probably already mm. problem. You know what I mean? You're not like you're not ever like, "Hey, um, do you think I should get new shoes? These ones are really hurt." <laughs> Is that a problem? Yeah, that's a fucking problem, dude. Get new shoes, of course. <laughs> like if you're talking about it, obviously you do get sober. So yeah, I guess I guess uh, the the thing I tell people is like you don't have to fucking get arrested and lose your life to mm. get sober. Like there's never. Uh, it's never going to hurt you to get sober, and there's really nothing to gain from drinking, hmm. even if you don't have a problem. Yeah, <laughs> just a hangover. Right? Like, right? Yeah. there's just like you. Even if you're like a normal person drinking, like two glasses of wine is enough to start a fight with your wife over something Easily. stupid. Oh yeah, Easily. you know. Yeah, so. I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, dude, yeah. that was fun. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, of course, yeah. bro. 
Is there music to play me out? I feel Give it up awkward. for Joe. Just awkward. It's clinical. I know. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Uh, our next guest uh, uh, is Darren Prince, and Darren's an entrepreneur, a sports and celebrity agent. Darren's also 10 years sober. Uh, he's a public recovery advocate and speaker. Uh, he represents many high-profile high clients, uh, and uh, which we'll, we'll get into some of that, of course. And he's also got a new book out, uh, Aiming High, How a Prominent Sports Celebrity Agent Hit Bottom at the Top. And uh, it's actually an international best-selling book. He's an awesome dude. I thank him so much for coming out tonight and hanging with us. Give it up for Darren Prince. Darren Prince, what's up, man? Oh, good. So, <laughs> so, good thing the Chargers weren't in the playoffs because you wouldn't have been here tonight, and I wouldn't have blamed you, man. But the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. Way, um, the, Patriots, the Patriots won in overtime. Oh, they did win. Marlene. Oh, Marlene, Marlene is a huge Patriots fan. Yes. Yeah. All right, man. So, what's up, man? How's, how's things? How's the book going? Life is great. Killing it. Yeah. Aiming high. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not often that uh, somebody in my position can go out and talk about um, the life of working with some uh, some pretty big icons. Uh, yeah. But when uh, I guess I started to get sober, it, uh, it, it came clear to me that I must have been that bad and that sick <laughs> that all my clients now support the new and improved Aaron, which was pretty cool. So you started uh, as a young entrepreneur with a baseball card company, right? Mm -hmm. So how, how does a, a, a kid uh, start this baseball card company and then uh, ends up, you know, uh, being an agent for these top athletes and celebrities? I mean, I, th I know there's a lot in between in that, but take yeah, us back I, to I that. I started a uh, baseball card company in 1984. I was born and raised in New Jersey and would do trade shows all over the country. Uh, by the time I was 18, 19, a lot of athletes and celebrities would be signing autographs at these conventions. I thought it was intriguing. Got into that business for about four years. And then uh, Magic Johnson, Pamela Anderson, Chevy Chase, uh, Smoking Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali were my first five clients. Yeah, and, Ma and Ma Magic Johnson, how'd that, how does that happen? Your first client's Magic Johnson. I mean, that's a pretty I big deal. I started autograph signings for him. Yeah. And um, I had my own legal issues right before um, I started working with him full time. I was arrested four times on possession charges. Ooh. But never once was it my fault. I of course. Carried out of an Allman Brothers concert. <laughs> I think I'm older than most people here on the best ecstasy imaginable. Back then, <laughs> back then, the MDMA was from either University of Maryland or University of Texas, and it was crazy. It was yeah. You can sit in the room by yourself and have the greatest night of your life, or you could be out and have the greatest night of your either life. Either way, you're good. It's either amazing. way, you're good. And um, so I was on probation for about a year. Once I started working with Magic, I was like, all right, that's it. It's the end of the illegal drugs. I'm not going to screw up this opportunity. And um, I developed a, a bad sciatica condition and uh, just played it to the hill to get all the opiates I needed. So you got the condition, and that leads into getting the opiates, which eventually leads to the addiction. And you, you did, I mean, you talked about doing, um, you know, being, being a part of, in the business, you're going to, you know, Tyson, Mike Tyson fights. I mean, you're going to all these huge events and you're high as a kite and nobody really knows about it during nobody the whole time. Nobody knows about it. I yeah. mean, some of the craziest stories ever. Pamela Anderson at um, Paradise Club in Vegas after the Tyson both the fight. And, you know, I'm functioning to the most part, but I knew how bad and ugly it got. Hanging with Mike Tyson too. Uh, Dennis Rodman, obviously, uh, 
you guys know his story. Well, yeah, Believe it or not, <laughs> I'm going to make it clear right here as I do on all the talk shows. Dennis has never done a drug in his life. He's just huh. an alcoholic. That's his drug. Everybody just thinks alcohol. because it, it's purely yeah. alcohol. He won't even go near weed. And um, what is it like, ha- like having him? Because I know I know a lot of your clients are also your friends. I know mm-hmm. Dennis is one of them. Um, what is it like being sober and you know you're doing your recovery program and having and not specifically Dennis, but a- anyone you might work with? Um, what is it like ke- trying to keep that relationship? Do you help them stay sober themselves? Do you is that a part of it too, De- or is it Dennis, more business? Dennis and- is one that I've helped over there. Charlie Sheen more or less did it on his own. Um, yeah, he's been sober a couple years, sir. Charlie, got fourteen months. Yeah, that's yeah, good. He's doing unbelievable. So yeah. let's give it up for Charlie. Yeah, that's, let's do it. Yeah, easy. good job, Charlie. Really not easy. Yeah, um, he had a long he, run. But, he, but he's <laughs> yeah, but he's doing great. That's um, awesome. And uh, it's it's a little weird though bringing Dennis Rahm into an AA meeting. I've done it. I brought him to six twenty six <laughs> North Robertson. <laughs> what does that look like? And, um, yeah, it's it's hard for him to hide. Yeah. So and like uh, seven well, feet tall. It's about six eight. Yeah, he's a tall dude. Um, one, one thing I noticed, too, I mentioned Magic Johnson earlier. It seems like he not only was, um, uh, a, a, your, you know, your client, but almost like a mentor to you, too. Mm-hmm. Is that pretty? Yeah, it's amazing. You know, you guys that were born and raised in L.A. obviously know his story. And he was always big on, you know, comebacks when he was diagnosed with HIV and everything he did. Yeah. And the people that were there for him to believe in him and not give up on him and support him. And I, th- I think it was a little bit personal for him as well with me. And um, as bad as it got after my first overdose, I called him. And um, he didn't care about the business at that point. He just wanted mm-hmm. me to get well. Yeah, he said, uh, yeah, he, he, he wasn't uh, interested in that side of it. It was like full support for you. It's important to have those people in our in our lives, you know, the community and stuff. Yep. Um, what uh, So... If we if we go back like one of the one of the uh, I went back and listened to the old podcast I think it was episode two nineteen uh, when I had you on um, you talked about uh, having stomach issues at age twelve and getting Demerol as as a kid I mean is that really what led to the addiction you think or yeah I was a twelve year old con artist in Sleepaway <laughs> Camp the nurse gave me um, which I didn't realize what it was I took this this green syrup and a clear cough syrup cup and I'm walking back to the bunk and I was flying out of my mind. And um, I was talkative, kind of like he said, when you were sober, you're able to be extroverted versus yeah. introverted. I was that's a 12-year-old kid. I was the social butterfly. I was funny. I was cool. I was good-looking. Everything I wanted to be in that moment. Yeah. And I started flirting with the girls in the bunk next door, and I woke up the next morning, no stomach pain the entire day, lying in bed at 12 years old. I'm looking up at the sky thinking, that feeling was amazing. And I yeah. said to the counselor, can you take me back to the infirmary my stomach's killing me wow so you're just uh con- being little con man right for, out of the I did gate it for about three and a half weeks until my parents at 12 yeah my parents Damn. came up for visitation they found that and they went ballistic on the nurse wow and so that that leads into uh you know later on just a full-blown opiate addiction but one, one of the things that you said that i like too is that uh you're functioning because a lot of people it's there's this different levels of it almost you know like some people can function it's not I'm not necessarily in the gutter and in prison or, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, do something immaculately stupid or ridiculously stupid. Um, you're still doing your job. You're still doing whatever. Like how how it, it tricks us almost, I guess, is what I'm getting at. You're able to say, I don't I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. You know. Yeah. And obviously with the success and the money and the clients I had. Uh, look, I wasn't perfect. There was some. Nights. Yeah. I remember when Dennis Rahman got evicted from Celebrity Big Brother in, in London and I flew out. We pulled in all night or at Stringfellas Strip Club. I mean, you go with the big man there, you know, you're, you're guaranteed a pretty epic night. Oh, yeah. We I'm sure. almost missed the flight. He had to wake me up. 
Really? I was in such a stupor from all the drinking and drugs. Wow. And yeah, so we, we literally almost missed the flight. And that's when I was like, all right, this is getting a little bit bad. If Dennis Raman's being the responsible one to wake <laughs> me up to make it right? to the airport, I might have a little bit of an issue. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be but tough. But it still took another five years after that Damn. until I found my awakening. What, so what was the awakening? The awakening was, all right, follow me. I was on Suboxone. Uh, mood stabilizer, antidepressant, snorting ambient to go to bed at night, drinking several days a week uh, when I'm out with my clients to the point of blackout because I just didn't want to feel or live anymore. Mood stabilizer. And um, I fell to my knees thinking that um, I was taking some clonopin for the 48-hour uh, detox that I was on, and there's four, uh, four Vicodins. And I fell to my knees. I just I, I couldn't do it anymore. I, called out for help. I, I was shaking, trembling, and crying like up at the sky. I said, God, take, take the notoriety, the business, the money. I don't give a crap. I need a <laughs> day in my life of freedom and happiness, uh, whatever it takes. And um, I was one of those people that had the awakening because I felt the warmth on my right shoulder, and I heard the voice, I got you when you're ready, and I stood up. Oh, I flushed the pills. 20 minutes later, I'm in a taxi cab. I found a 12-step meeting online. And I'm looking up at the sky, I said, holy shit, for the first time in my adult life, I wanted to stay sober more than I wanted to get high. And I walked into a church basement, mm -hmm. and it wasn't Magic Johnson or Pamela Anderson or Hulk Hogan or any of these icons. It was these degenerate drug addicts and alcoholics just like me that slowly but surely made Darren Prince feel whole. And that was my date uh, of uh, the change, July 2nd, yeah, 2008. That's good. That's good. Very humbling experience for uh, you. Yeah, the, the, the greatest experience of my life. You know, yeah. I, I was given the gift of desperation. Yeah, um, and, and I, ju I just dove right into it. Uh, I said, "This is the most amazing thing I've ever experienced." You know, there was 150 plus people in the upper 80s in New York City that night on a Sunday, and just people putting their hands up, and I'm listening, and I had no shame. I, th I threw my hand up. I said, "I'm yeah. sick. I'm suffering. I need freaking help." Yeah, and uh, you know, half a dozen guys like. The guy, you know, the cleaning guy said before, you know, they, they start coming over to me. I didn't know who these people are. And they're yeah. talking to me. Here's the my first phone time number. They met me. I felt like I knew them more than I knew my friends that I grew up with since I was yeah. five or six years old. I was like, this is yeah. freaking That's amazing. the fellowship, you know, the freaking fellowship amazing. is strong. And I just slowly but surely wanted more, more of it. And, you know, one day at a time became a week at a time on the, sl on, on the tougher days, a minute at a time. And little by little, it became a year and then two years. And, um... I started seeing this shift, kind of like you said, with the world of recovery. Yeah. That, um, you know, certain, there's stigma, yeah, but it's also in certain parts of the country, I do a lot of traveling over the world, it's, it's considered cool to be yeah. in this you know, <coughs> transformative, totally. positive, spiritual, badass way of life. That yeah. we were able to push the reset button on our lives. That we all turned yeah. our bottom into our beginning. And um, that, that was just so amazing. And then I eventually got the idea to write the book with Anna David, my publisher, about a, a year and a half ago. And I was like, you know, it's never been done before. Most agents, because of the stigma, can't do it. Let me, let me speak to a couple of my clients and see what they think. And yeah. every single one of them. Support. Um, Mark Cuban gave me a comment. I mean, there's so many. So what, what do you mean, like, the stigma behind, like, from being an agent? Uh, like that, I, know, I know a lot that are in recovery. Okay. I know a lot. Yeah. And none of them will ever. They've got their own little private I meetings. see. I see. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. A lot of them gotcha. won't even. Yeah. You know, when you're talking a conglomerate that's a publicly traded. Yeah. There, there's obviously, you know, people talk about the risk of relapse and oh, yeah. they don't understand that, um, you know, it's, they're human like anybody else. Yeah. And uh, I guess they have to be a little bit careful about where they show their faces. Yeah. 
What do you think uh, the best story is in the book? Or what's one of your mo- your, your, your favorite? I know there's a lot of them in there. I, 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 I love the... Um, I, lo- I love the opening, the intro. Um, Magic Johnson wrote the forward, but the intro is about my experience with Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier mm-hmm. in 2002, the night before the NBA All-Star Game. And um, I finally got the two of them to make peace. And I was high as a kite on opiates because I was a 32-year-old, hollow, broken piece of shit on the inside that didn't think I belonged. Mm-hmm. I'm with two kings of the world that any president or world leaders would have given their right arm to be there in that moment. Mm-hmm. And um, that was just really special to me because when I got sober and we lost Muhammad in June of 2016 and Joe in November 2011, to be able to look back and just know I was a good person, I was a sick person, mm-hmm. so I needed to learn to forgive myself. And now to be able to use that story, uh, which the writer Chris McGinnis did an amazing job with it, really taking you along for the ride, what got me there, what happened during it, and what happened after it. I know it's helping people. I'm yeah. getting emails every single day. I do a lot of yeah. speaking engagements. I'm getting phone calls, Instagram messages, Facebook posts. What what a freaking yeah. gift, man! You know. Well, and I, and I you you said uh, I can't remember if it was on when we chatted or on the the podcast before. You said I've done a lot of um, amazing shit in my life, like uh, uh, you know, um, successfully business, all that stuff, but. One of the, you know, the most amazing thing has been getting sober and being able to give back. This is like a whole new life for you in a sense, I've, right? I've You've li- it's like the second, like you said, another chance. Yeah, I've been to the White House. Love Trump or, or hate him. I've been to the White House three times this year. I was there for oh. each one of the opiate epidemics. I was an invited guest for what does that signing look like? the bill yeah, October, the opiate, I, October I saw that. 24th when they signed the $6 billion bill. I was one of 220 people invited. It's, it's crazy because yeah. I'm, I'm walking in, like looking at the White House, like, Crap! I was the biggest freaking degenerate. How, how does this happen? <laughs> yeah. How does this freaking happen? Yeah. But that's about giving it back. Yeah. I'm nobody special. Every single person across the country, and I go to meetings all over the world. I've been in Sydney, Australia, Anguilla, Monaco, Montreal, Toronto, Turks and Caicos, because this comes first in my freaking life. Yeah. There's nothing better than this fellowship. And AA means attitude adjustment, and I need more and more of it. And <laughs> with this book right now, having the ability to open up my mouth and speak to kids and yeah. adults and go to charity events, it's its just the greatest feeling in the world, man. You know, we finally, fi- we finally find ourselves and yeah. we find out what our real calling is. Yeah. Um, you said, you said too, in the, in the traveling, um, that you're noticing that kids, that people are starting to, to kind of hop on that train. Like it's, it's become this, uh, cool thing to be sober now or to to not live that like I feel like in the in the in the 80s especially it was like cool to be this messy like just wasted and that was like yeah. really really glamour and I think there's still some glamorization in in uh, in culture absolutely today but we're I think we're seeing a big shift in that and I mean if you're out on the road you're seeing that firsthand a hundred percent and I, I tell them like the same thing I tell parents and I'll tell you guys like it always seems like we're focusing on the worst day Forget the worst. Let's focus on the first. What did it on that first day that gave us something that the average normal person that doesn't need drugs and alcohol yeah. need? Yeah. You know, yeah, what, what gave it? And I, I know what, what it was for me. You know, I grew up labeled as having severe learning disability and, um, you know, verbally teased a lot. And when that Demerol went in my system, man, I, I found everything I needed to be. Yeah. You know, and, what, and then I just, drugs, alcohol, whatever it was, you name it, I, I did it all for the next 26 years. Wow. Um, I'm thinking maybe you, you mind taking a couple questions. If yeah. anyone does, anyone have any questions? A little Q and A action. It's kind of hard to see back there. Right anyone? Now. All right, we can't leave till someone asks a question. 
the box. Oh, good question, John. It's not even close. Yeah, Dr. Drew's a client and a good friend. We talked about it on his show. It's not even close. He, uh, when Dennis went on Celebrity Rehab back in uh, 2007, I was on Suboxone for a year and a half, and Drew called me personally to get him on because he was in some legal trouble. Like an asshole, I'm like bragging to him, telling him I'm sober that I've been on Suboxone for a year and a half. And um, yeah, he actually starts laughing, but it wasn't like a funny laugh. He's like, Darren, that is really dangerous. Yeah. What doctor has you on Suboxone for a year and a half? Because you're more hooked now on that than you are. Yeah. Uh, the real opiate. It's supposed and, to be a uh, temporary fix in some yeah, aspects, right? It was supposed right? to be a like months. a one or two week deal. <clears throat> and, wow. Um, so yeah, that, that I, I created a whole nother monster with uh, getting hooked on yeah. the Suboxone. But with that being said, I know there are people, and uh, Ryan Hampton and I, as my boy, we're just talking about this, that you know, I don't care if somebody's in the fellowship on Suboxone, because I know there's a lot of people that talk about that. Hmm. To me, is if it's that first step. If your life is not unmanageable, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, and, for sure. Um, you're, you're not, your life is not powerless, you know, and you're doing that much better. God bless you. I'm yeah. not here to judge. Yeah, that's know? good. Well, I think that that's a good point to uh, go into that, you know, some things that work for some people don't work for everybody else. And so, you know, I, I've always been kind of opposed to, even though I have a, a program that I work that works uh, for me, I don't, I never throw that on anyone else because that you know something that works for me doesn't work for them and vice versa so i think i guess point being is like we got to keep an open mind about everything especially when it comes to recovery like yeah. let's keep an open mind there's all different types of things i mean we're seeing like it's it's great like podcasts and digital content and live shows like this uh, obviously meetings the, the backbone the foundation of recovery just um you know 12-step meetings and groups and all that stuff it's really a cool thing i, I feel like there's this huge movement man it's so it's so cool to be a part of it and then you set up an event like this, which is about laughing. And how many of us were really <laughs> laughing authentically when we were out there using? Mm. Th that wasn't real laughing. Yeah. You know, to have it here tonight and these sort of events, that's so freaking yeah. awesome. Yeah, you know? man. I appreciate you, man. Anyone else have any questions or anything? Go ahead, man. So you said you felt um, a warm hand touch your shoulder. Mm. Intuitively, like, what do you think? What do you mean by that? Um, I, I, to, to, to me, I call it God. I mean, I, I truly do, because as this journey's happened, there's been so many crazy spiritual awakenings that I talk about in my book that I've had that for such a large part of my recovery, I knew how much I needed God. And then I started getting these signs that God needed Darren Prince. <laughs> and I got a photo in there that'll blow every single one of you away. That's my pride and joy of my recovery journey. On my nine-year sober birthday, I had the privilege of being in Akron, Ohio, out of all places, on business. And I told my office, I'm going on that trip. Like, why the fuck would you go to Akron, Ohio? I was like, you guys don't understand. I'm like, Dr. Bob's house is in Akron, Ohio. It's the fellowship yeah. that started it all on June 10th, 1935. And five months earlier, I lost my dad, my best friend in the world. He wasn't one of us, he, you know, 80, 81 years old. Uh, but he had a son back, a sober son for eight and a half years. Mm. So my perspective on it was, Know, what a gift and um let me give me one of oh yeah i'll see yeah. if i can find this there you go. so this is better than an AA meeting. so I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm pulling up in the, in the uber and i'm on the phone with my sponsor and my uncle Stu, who got me in the fellowship and everyone's saying how amazing it is that my dad's looking down that mm. five months after i lost him um i'm at dr bob's house to pay homage this guy greets me on the steps and says, welcome home, son. 
and that's Dr. Bob's front porch, and he's got a shirt on that says dad. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's okay. crazy. So, yeah. It's a god shot. Stuff, that means to me. That, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's like we both started. We both started crying when I told him the story, and it's just like, man, you get these. What's what you start recognizing those moments. I can't though, tell too. you how many Uber drivers I've had in Vegas, Chicago, Tampa, the Serenity Club in Clearwater Beach. How many Uber drivers pick me up, drive me there, and are actually in the program? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure some of you have had that experience. I mean, that that just. It well, it's kind of like what I was saying in the intro too. Like, no matter where I go, is it the, the corporate world, my my kids' school, the grocery store? You start talking, and it's like always somebody. My 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 wife, my my dad. You know, it's such a, it does not discriminate. That's for sure. And, and we need that. And I think God's plan for Absolutely. me when I felt the warmth and I was told I got you when you're ready. I think He knew that at some point I wanted to be a voice. Like I yeah. was going to be comfortable enough to share my story. Mm-hmm. I've never been so comfortable talking about uncomfortable stuff. Yeah. You know, and again, it's from all you sorts of people yeah. and going to a lot of damn meetings and working the steps and service work and, you know, working at, at different rehabs and, and just giving back. And I mean, that, that's just the greatest thing in the world, yeah. because for so many years we lived this double life and now we're, we're able to be comfortable in our own mm. skin. Darren, we know how to be sensitive now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. Well, I know you got an early flight in the morning. Any other yeah. questions or anything out there before we wrap this thing up? All right, man. Any any advice for anyone out there listening? Anyone sitting in tonight? Uh, what's your what's your parting advice, Darren? That uh, if you don't think you could do it, you can. Um, I think everybody here and a lot of people in the fellowship around the world would say they were in the same boat. Yeah. That um, you know the strength is actually surrendering and and and, and giving it a shot because uh, one day at a time you could have a life beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. The book's aiming high. Uh, Darren Prince, give it up for Darren Prince, everybody. Thank you, sir. You guys good out there? All right. It's hot up here, man. These lights. I, my, my top lip is all sweaty. Should have shaved this mustache. Jess, you don't like the mustache, huh? No? I mean, it's kind of like it's a beard, so it's not just. I tried to, to grow like a cop stash, and she was like, I'm not going to make out with you unless you shave that thing. So it's not working. All right. Our next guest, uh, uh, he's an actor, stand-up comedian, talk show host. He was the, co- the co-host of ABC's Wipeout as well as the host of Talk Soup on E. Man, I, was, I love that. Uh, e Entertainment Network. He hosted over 1,000 shows in the four and a half years he was on the network. Uh, give it up for John Henson, everybody. Uh, how fucking great was, uh, was oh, yeah. that interview, man? It was, it was pretty damn fun. That was fun. fantastic. Yeah. Solid dude um, right all there. All everybody. This is really great. Thank you for having me, man. And thank yeah. you for this awesome hat. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. I appreciate you coming out. and uh, I appreciate the swag. Yeah. Give me some free shit, man. <laughs> hey, free <laughs> shit is always good. I ain't proud. Yeah. I want something free. <laughs> Who doesn't want something free? Oh, man, that's good, dude. So, um, man, where the hell do we even start with this, you know? You know, first of all, I just want to say something. The way you opened up, uh, you said something really that really uh, resonated with me when you were talking about how uh, you, 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 
you run into uh, people from the from you know your your sober world out in the world, and it's like you meet somebody of nothing. You, you, as soon as you have that connection, it is literally like you could you they yeah. could be as foreign to you as, as you know uh, as, as if they were from Mars. But once you have that connection, you're like, dude, I'll give you the shirt off my back. Yeah, like it, it oh, is yeah. it, it is it is what I would imagine people who are like oh you were in normandy beach come on over i'm gonna make yeah. you dinner you know what i mean you can yeah. stay it's like there's an instant uh sense of peace and calm and connection that um that i, I just I, I find incredibly powerful yeah. You know? yeah it is it's it's that fellowship where the, the weird aspect of it here let me give you my number real quick which is kind of yeah. you know especially when you've never been around that, you're like, "What the fuck is this guy? Is he trying?" Like, wait, that's a little. But at the same time, what you're talking about the 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 solidity in that is that a fucking word? Solidity. It is now. Okay, I just made it up. It um, is solidity. Yeah, no, but it it's is solid like, though. Because the, is what the I'm first saying. time I experienced yeah. it, when people are like, "Give me your number," I'm like, "Go fuck yourself, man." <laughs> you want my yeah. number? Six. Call me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. That's it. Dude, I barely sat through this fucking last hour. I don't yeah. ever want to see any of you people again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then, like, we were outside talking for two minutes, and I was like, hey, yeah. I'm going to text you a little. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, Here's a meeting yeah. tomorrow. Come on yeah, through. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's awesome. So you you grew up with four older brothers, is that correct? Yeah. What the, the hell youngest. was that like? No wonder you you ended up drinking. And yeah, I mean, it, it was like fucking growing up in Abu Ghraib. You know what I mean? There was like there was a lot of breaking of the Geneva Convention. There was there was a lot of questioning under duress. You know what I mean? I was the youngest by seven years. There was no matchup in the house that favored me. Um, like the only upside was like through like uh, probably like the beginning half of high school, there was no confrontation that I could get in where I wasn't like, dude, you, there, it is, you are not physically capable of hitting me half yeah. as hard as I get hit every fucking day when I go home. Like, you, I, there was yeah. no fear, you That's know, it. because yeah. I was like, what is it, man? I mean, it's like, I'm yeah. getting it when I get home anyway. Probably taught you to throw him down a little bit, too, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I wasn't like a tough guy, but I was a punching yeah. bag when you, I got home. Do you, you think know? Uh, Do you think comedy helped with that as a young age? I, do, I mean, I think that I was a kid that had to, I knew I couldn't compete physically, so I had to learn to defend myself verbally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that was, I had to become a wise-ass because it was the only way that I had to fight back. Yeah. You know what I mean? To push back. Got to have a little wit, a little smarts yeah, about Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I just, you know, like you just, I just grew up with that, like, look at me, look at me. You know what I mean? Like, I just, you know. Yeah. How, how'd you get into comedy? Did you start comedy first? Uh, I think really the true answer is I uh, was not and am not good at anything else. Um, and it, it's not like I have a special aptitude for it. It was just like, well, let's let's go with this. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I, I was not a good student. I got thrown out of a public high school uh, in Connecticut. And, you know, like, I don't, you guys... You have to really shit the bed to be thrown out of public high school. Like you, that's you really, you know, you can repeat first grade, you repeat junior year, and people start moving away. Um, uh, but uh, so, yeah, I, I, uh, I went, I was a five year high school student. Uh, five and, year plan. Uh, yeah, five year plan. And uh, I went to college for a couple of years. Uh, I was on the, uh, I was at, I was at Boston University and uh, I started doing improv my freshman year. I started doing uh, stand up my sophomore year. And uh, I, 
dropped out of BU after my sophomore year while my dad was on the Board of Regents for Public Education in Massachusetts. He was, in 1988, one of Dukakis' advisors uh, for, the, for the presidential election <laughs> and was slated to become Secretary of Education. He's, like, from Arkansas, like, conservative guy. And, I, and I, you know, it was like I was, like, uh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm going to join the circus and guess weights for a living. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, yes. what the fuck did you just say? Oh, wow. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was just sort of all in, man. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I, I, I knew I wanted to perform. I started acting when I was a kid, and I just, you know, Do, that was Do you remember your wanted. first uh, comedy set you did? Yes, I what, did. What, what did that look like? I'm just curious. My wife and I uh, were it was at the It was at the student union at Boston University. They had, like, a, 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 they, there was some sort of, uh, like, college comedy you know we're gonna find the funniest college student mm. in america or something and um and I, I i did you know whatever three or five minutes and uh it was you know i i had a good set i had a good set and then a series of very terrible sets after that is, you know it's like <laughs> you know you're like this is easy and no no it's not um then you got to go <coughs> excuse me you got to go flop and fail a few times kind of figure it out yeah i mean look i think you could probably make the um analogy that it's not dissimilar to um sobriety in that it's oh, like failing is is the pathway to success right yeah. i mean it's like you you that failing to me is the currency of success mm -hmm. if you're afraid of failing and you want to put yourself in a position where you do not fail you're putting a hard ceiling on your ability to improve in life yeah. um so uh you know give yourself the fucking permission to eat it you know yeah. in anything um, and, and, and humble yourself uh, because it's the only way you're going to get better. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think to piggyback on that, I talk a lot about putting in the work. Like a lot of people say, well, how'd you get sober? They think there's like this magic wand that you just wave and everything's great. Probably same thing with comedy. Oh, I'll just, I'll just, uh, oh, there, there's a formula for it. I'll just write comedy. I'll be a great comic. It's like, no, it takes, it takes work. You actually got to yeah. show up and do the shit that you need to do. Uh, to have that success, and a lot of people, it's it's hard to do that, dude. It's I mean, you can equate it to sports, right? Like, some guys just got are super athletic, and they yeah. got fast twitch muscles, and they can hit a fastball, but it takes fucking grinding to learn to hit the curve. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you want to make it to the next, it's like there are people who are just. Uh, uh, willing to put themselves out there and maybe they're gregarious and they're funny and they got, you know, uh, they can tell a good story, but you don't just like make a career out of this shit until yeah. you are willing to uh, put in the blood, sweat, and tears. You got to put in a pound of flesh yeah. and then some, you know. Um, so when did, did, did you struggle with alcohol and drugs or was it just alcohol? I can, uh, I started alcohol when I was, uh, I mean, I think I remember like sneaking beers when I was in single digits, you know, me yeah. and my buddies like, uh, stick a six pack and we went out and split it and, um, but, uh, yeah, like drinking, a, you know, I don't know what, what's freshman year, 14, 15, something, yeah, like, something that. like that. Um, 15. you know, uh, I, I started, um, uh, drinking and, um, uh, and you know, pot was, uh, was probably like my first drug of choice. Like I love drinking, but pot was yeah. like, Oh, this is fucking great. Um, and uh, you know, when I look back, you know, when I look at my life through the prism of recovery, it was like, like, you know, when you go to the optometrist and they do that, like better or worse, better, better, <laughs> better or worse. You know, yeah. like when I looked at my life through the prism of recovery, I was like, Oh yeah. Like <laughs> I, immediately related to drugs and alcohol different than everyone else around me. Yeah. Like, I, you know, yeah. I went from, like, trying pot 
to being the biggest dealer in my school in a year. You know what I mean? And like basically failing out of school. Like it was just, I, it was on and cracking. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and um, you know, uh, and I think people just have a lot of, um, you know, I never got offered a drug I turned down. Like and I'm 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 that's yeah. like not an exaggeration. Nobody ever fucking offered me something yeah. that I went no way, bro. No way. You yeah, know, it's like a buffet kind of. Yeah, like, I was the guy that was like, you better give me two because I have a naturally high tolerance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it yeah. didn't matter. And I and I'm like talking about new drugs. Like nobody ever, you know, it, like if I didn't do a drug, it's because I didn't come across it or yeah. it wasn't invented when I was doing <laughs> drugs. There was no like I went oh that's too far for me. I was like fuck yeah man, let's go, yeah, let's you know? party, yeah. How how long how long did that go on for for you like from start till the wheels fell off you know which was when um, you know I would say uh, like when I got married and had uh, uh, kids um, well look I, I think the reality is um, you know like like a lot of uh, people in recovery you know I I began drinking and using drugs uh, in social circles and it made me I, I felt made me gregarious and, it, and yeah. it kind of put me at ease and uh, and I got a little distance from my anxiety and my problems and my insecurities and it made me feel good right yeah. um, and uh, I I wasn't a guy who drank and used to escape life. I was a guy who drank and used to show up for life. Hmm. Like, that yeah, was how I got shit done. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That yeah. was how I met my responsibilities. So, you know, that was woven into the way I took care of business. And in my business, it was a very permissive thing, writing comedy. And, yeah. you know, and so what I found was the bigger my life grew, and the more responsibility I had, the bigger my disease grew. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and um, and it got that's to a point you. where um, what was uh, what was uh, a, an aid and then a crutch um, just blocked out the sun. Hmm. And and I did not, you know, for the last many years of my uh, experience being out there drinking and using, I didn't want to be at a party. Yeah. Dude, I wanted to be alone. Like I and and I, you know, I learned very quickly as things started to roll out of control like hey, if you don't know about it, it didn't happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like a CIA wet op. Like I kept <laughs> shit under wraps. Yeah. And um and no one in my life knew the extent of how bad things were. And it was all in secrecy, all in private. And, um, you know, it, it was like, uh, dude, you, you, you just, <laughs> you have no fucking idea how much work that is. Like, if you have yeah. a wife and children and a career, you have know how much work you have to do to manage a yeah. disease like that, an addiction. It's fucking endless, man. I mean, it is endless. Yeah. And I, it just got to a point where I realized, like, um, well, forget the fact that, like, I felt like a fraud in my own life, right? I didn't, I didn't feel like I deserved any, any – I had everything I had ever wanted. Job, money, house, car, wife, kids. And I was like, 
I'm a piece of shit. I don't did you feel like you knew yourself at all? Or did you feel no, like you there no was nothing to know. Yeah. I was just a ghost, yeah. you know? Just I was just a, I was an amalgam of lies, hmm. you know? And yeah. um and and so um it, you know, it, this thing that like used to bring me pleasure like literally just created the grand canyon between me and any joy in my life. I just could not hmm. access any joy and then it just got to a point where i realized like this is never gonna end like i'm gonna i'm gonna die or worse i'm not yeah you know do you ever yeah i remember laying in bed a lot of times going shit i just i don't even want to wake up tomorrow i didn't care if i woke up the next day there was just no feeling there it was just no there was no like today when i wake up i'm genuinely excited to wake up which is fucking crazy yeah. to think back five years ago. I could have cared less if I when I had a, you know, I still have my wife and kids and stuff. And yeah. that to me freaks me out to think about that. Do, I, I'm gonna say I always say the best thing about being sober is I know exactly what I'm gonna feel like when I wake yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? for sure. I mean, and that is that's fucking amazing. You <laughs> yeah. know, yeah. I mean, there's um, uh, look, I, 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 you know, if you don't have it. God bless you, man. Set yourself free. Do whatever you need to do. Enjoy yourself. Have a good time. But if you got it, you know, good luck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I watched that movie Beautiful Boy with my wife. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but it's, it's, it's you know, for people like us, it's a tough watch, you know? And um, there's a scene in the movie, I don't want to blow anything for you, but there's a scene in the movie where one of the characters uh, uh, who's close to this guy who's a, 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 a tweaker um, – just wants to know what it's like and so he tries yeah. it right and then he, you know you see him get all high and he never does it again and my wife god bless her you know she's in, she's not one of us and she doesn't you know huh. she doesn't have to get all this she doesn't you know she doesn't yeah. need to understand it the way we do but she yeah. goes oh I get it so it was like he just saw what happened with the other guy and he realized the repercussions and he was like no I better not do that again and I was like <laughs> no 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 I think it's I, I think he's not an addict I think that's the that's the fucking thing because yeah. uh it's not repercussions that stop us you know what i mean yep. and uh and if that guy was a fucking addict he would have been like dude this is awesome you know what i mean i love this shit. yeah i mean it's like it's, yeah, it's you're, you're you know i mean that's been my experience and that's why you know that's why the longer people like us drink and use the more you start seeking out other people who have that because they're the only other people that get yeah. it where you feel like okay now i don't feel like a freak because yeah. you're just like me and once you know it, it's yeah. like i used to go to stuckies when i was a little kid on road trips and they had these little things that you could buy for nick it was like a, a like a like a tall bird with red liquid in it and you'd it'd tip over into a glass of water and it would just keep going you know what i mean like a metronome that's an alcoholic man yeah. like once you start it's like no i'm good man this yeah. goes on forever i cool. just going yeah just keep putting water All in the glass night, bro oh, yeah yeah, yeah. You said uh, you said your wife. She's, you said she's one of us. You mean no, not that, one of us. But she's not, not one of us. But I, I guess my my question was, because I know like Jess, like Jess gets it now because you know she's I I I live this different this different life than we lived before. She doesn't get it, get it, but she gets it. Do you find that that, that like I think my wife a general understanding. My wife sees the difference in me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. there's no. Um, you know, uh, God bless my wife. You know, she didn't. She didn't marry me knowing that this was who I was. Yeah. You know what I mean? How long have you been married? Uh, eight and a half years. Nice. Um, and so, <laughs> I mean, 
that that was painful. Yeah. You know, having to having to basically go, hey, um, I have this issue, and my wife being like, who in the fuck are you? You know what I mean? Um, And God bless that woman stayed with me, you know? But, um, you know, I'm like, you know, you could learn all... And she's like, nope! (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But but she loves and supports and sees the change in me. Yeah. You know? And uh, it's funny, I... um, like I was, I was going to. I have, I have kids, five and seven. We were talking about Let's it, and say, I, yeah. I, I uh, ask you about like, that. I remember saying, like, I'm going to a meeting, and my son goes, "What do you do at those meetings?" And uh, I, I hesitated, and my wife goes, "That's where Daddy goes to learn to be a better man." Huh. Word. And I was like, "That's about That's as well cool. as you can put it." Yeah. Like, you know, she knows exactly what she needs to know. You know? At, at the same time, let's let's talk a little bit about parenting and then parenting sober because God knows I love my kids, but there are days when I'm like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I just want to just get fucking wasted right now because I can't handle this right now. Those right. thoughts still come yeah. up. It's Thank humbling God to make amends that. to a five-year-old. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, exactly. Daddy needs to apologize. <laughs> I w- was not about you. That was me. And I'm going to change that That's behavior. Right. And... There's anything I can yeah. do to make this right. You yeah. Here's more the worst. cake. All right, I'll get yeah. you a piece of cake, and we're good. Um, the worst part is when your daughter goes, "Dad, you told me that last week." <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you. Uh, uh, this is. Oh, uh, shit, I did. Yeah. You know, I will. I will. Um, Keep trying. There's two things that I want to say. Uh, so, I, I, my, my wife and kids just came and gave me a cake, right? And uh, my kids had never given me a cake before, at least not when they were at an age where they would understand it. And um, and uh, so uh, they came, gave me a cake. And uh, afterwards, uh, I said, because they left right after the cake. And, uh, and I said to my wife later, what did, what did they say? And she goes, uh, uh, my daughter looked at her and goes, why did you bring me to that nonsense? There were no kids there. It was boring. And I didn't even get to have any cake. And I was like, oh, yeah, because the cake just goes to the next guy. And she's like, well, you fucking said cake. What? Bust out the cake, bro. Like, they're leaving out the door. She's like, cake, cake. You know, like, you don't take a kid to a birthday party and leave without cake. She's like, dude, there was cake. She was fiending, man. She was like Jonesing. Um, but uh, I will I will say this about the because you you talk about the kids thing and I there, there's a story that I think of a lot which is you know we we like to say uh, in this world that w- when when somebody in your family has a disease they are bringing that disease into the home and everyone catches it whether they know it or not whether they drink or use or not that disease is malignant and it weaves its way into the family yeah. dynamic right but conversely when you get sober you bring sobriety into your home and your family catches sobriety the same way that they catch the disease, yeah. right? Just ambient. In, when your behavior changes, the whole family dynamic changes and, um, and everybody has to change their relationship to you. And I was tucking my daughter in uh, about a year ago. Um, so she was four at the time. And um, she goes, uh, Daddy, where's your mommy? And uh, my mom was a first ballot Hall of Fame drug addict and alcoholic who is no longer with us. And I said, uh, my mommy's passed away, baby. And, um, and she, like, wrinkled her brow, and she goes, so she doesn't stay in the world anymore? Mm. And I go, no, baby, she's with God now. And she goes, what's God? And I, like, I immediately went, 
oh fuck <laughs> like yeah, i was not prepared for this you know and uh <laughs> and i i like um, you know in my head i'm like uh i gotta google something you know what i mean like i um but i alexa what is god yeah, so so i i i like i did what we're trained to do which is like when doubtful i pause mm. and i said the first thing that came into my mind which was god is love Love and uh, my daughters went, all right, cool, good night. And, uh, <laughs> and, Thanks, Dad. Uh, like a, like, and I never told my wife about that conversation. And about six weeks later, she walked up to my wife and she goes, you're God. And my wife goes, I'm God? And she goes, yeah, I love you. Oh, wow. And Daddy said, God is love. So I'm just saying, a four-year-old heard that explanation retained it, digested it, remembered it, and six weeks later was like, wait a minute, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Like, that fucking blew my mind. That's pretty amazing. That four or five, too, yeah. like, yeah. Connecting dots. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't get that if you're, you know, trying to hurry up and put her to bed so you can go, you know. Smoke some weed. Yeah, smoke some weed or take smoke some pills some or you know what I mean? Just like whatever it is, you know, yeah. you don't you're not there. You're not conscious, you know, you're not conscious. I always uh, my, my sponsor, I asked him about that, about you know, about God early on and how he how you know how he kinda what his take is on that. And he told me, and I always remember this, he goes, he goes, I know who my God is. He goes, I don't care who your God is or what your God is, just know there is a God. And it's not you. <laughs> and I went, yeah. ah, okay, I can kind of follow that. Okay, yeah. You know, it's always. Yeah, always there are those great stories. I remember yeah. hearing a guy say, uh, it, uh, one of the first things I heard from a sober person that stayed with me forever, man, and in so many ways this has saved my ass. He goes, nobody ever denied me anything it was in their power to give me. <laughs> and I went, what? And he goes, to <laughs> yeah. the extent that a parent or a lover, or a friend let me down. They were doing the best they fucking could yeah. with the tools that they were given. Yeah, and that's, that's like, the f that was like cracking the door open to, oh, they, life isn't happening to me. It's just happening. Yeah. These people aren't doing shit to personal. me. Yeah. Look, I had a marriage go down spectacularly. My wife cheated on me, took a shitload of money from me. And you know what? It wasn't fucking personal. She right. wasn't, do, you know, it's not like my wife ha at that time had it in her to be a fucking awesome wife and decided I wasn't worth it. Yeah. She was doing the best she could. And like when I realized that, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, man. Happy people don't behave that way. Hmm. You know, God bless that chick, man. She must have been miserable. Poor thing, you know? I wouldn't want yeah. her to be married to me then. You yeah. know what I mean? I was a basket case. So you start to work in those some forgiveness, acceptance, all those key yeah. words in there. Yeah, that, I mean, and more like the, this person do. I thought was the boogeyman. Of my, the yeah. one person where I was like, I ain't ever forgiven her. Um, you know what we I mean? We all got that one And then I had that realization. Sure. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I owe her an apology. Isn't that crazy, bro? Like, you just like. Yeah. What is my part in this? I fucking hate you. But wait, what right. part did I play? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I love you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just so, Crazy. you know, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, um, good, man. you know, uh, the, the more I learn, uh, the less I know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, what do you think? Maybe take a couple questions and then we'll, sure. we'll wrap this thing up. Any any questions out there? I'm gonna block these lights out. Anybody? Questions? All right. It's right there. Is that Joseph? Yeah. Joseph, what's up, Joseph? I mean, look, she knew that I was erratic. You know what I mean? She knew that I was unhappy. Um, she had no idea what I was doing. No, no, nobody in my life did. Dude, nobody in my life did. I had three different people that I purchased from, and none of them knew about the other two. And each one of them would go, this isn't all for you, is it? And I'd be like, no, no. dude, are you fucking crazy? I got like, I got to make six stops on the way home. You know what I mean? Holy shit. Um, so, no. I mean, you know, my disease thrived in secrecy. You know, that was it. For me, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was it. It was, uh, the, you know, the, that expression, you're only as sick as your secrets. Yeah, I was a sick fuck, man. And um and now, you know, now I think in recovery for me the canary in the coal mine is uh uh you know, my my brother said to me once, this was he said this when I was going to an open bar Christmas party at E in 1995, but it it applies to sobriety. He goes, "Yeah, you're going to an open bar party." And I go, "Yeah." And he goes, yeah, "Let me give you a piece of advice. Leave before you start a sentence with the words, "You know what your fucking problem is?" <laughs> and uh and, and dude, I, I promise yeah. you, if you live by that in life, like if you just start, if you just start going, wait a minute, maybe I should take a walk before, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they always go, you know, pause and ask for what your higher powers will is for you in the moment. And if I have the strength to do that, I promise you, the answer has never been, God wants me to air you out, motherfucker. Yeah. It's my job. God has sent me down nope. here to set you fucking straight and tell you what a dick you are and yeah. how bad you are to me and show me some respect, you know? Like, that is never the answer. Oh, no. I am sober, damn it. Yeah. Well, these ladies right here, when you came in, you're having a couple of drinks or whatever, and you said, oh, we didn't, you know, we didn't know, like, we have... I said, man, have a couple, like, it's not, I, I, I don't like that. You know what I mean? You can't yeah, go dude, around, I, like, and you I don't, don't drink it, like, that. we're all different. Right, like, and, and I'm not a guy that, ne I don't mind... Look, I'm not gonna sit around with a bunch of people around a glass coffee table and watch them do rails all yeah, night. But yeah, I go to fucking yeah, exactly. But I go to parties all work. the time. You yeah. know what I mean? I go to parties all the time, <laughs> and I don't mind. I like I don't mind being around people who are drinking and having a good time. Yeah. In my experience, I like to skip the last third of the evening yeah. when people just start getting uh, they're laughing at shit that's not funny and and they're just getting a little bit sloppy and it's not for any it's not because I think I'm going to drink it's just because yeah. uh, you're now you're in a different place and I'm not in that place and I don't care to be in that place yeah. and God bless you have a good time I'm going to go home you yeah. know and, yeah. and that's that's all it is for me any other questions Anybody? yeah what you got Uh, I will tell you that I've had uh, multiple breaking points. I've had multiple sobriety dates. I'm the kind of guy that will tell you what it was like, what happened, what it was like again, what happened again, and what it's like now. Um, 
and um, and I, you know what? I, I got to be honest with you. I'm grateful for that because uh, I, I am a hard head, man. I'm a hard head, and I don't like to work hard. You know, I didn't fucking move to Hollywood to work for a living. You know what I mean? So I, I'm not like I am the kind, I'm going to do just as much work as I need to do to be comfortable. And then I'm punching out. So um, when I came in, you know, I was a kind of guy that like, um, you know, I, I, I was I was trying to limp by on, um, you know, the, 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 the there's there's camaraderie in the fellowship. Um, but but the recovery is in the work, right? I mean, there, there's a specific process for the recovery, um, and and in my experience, I'm just talking about me. Uh, you you don't you can stay abstinent for a while on fellowship and meetings, but if you don't knuckle down and do the work, sooner or later you're going to get broadsided in life. You can make it through your you know I go to work for this many hours a week and I come home and I deal with my wife and I walk my dog and everything's cool and then all of a sudden somebody dies or you lose a job or something goes wrong and you're like fuck it and, and it's like a knee jerk reaction you just, and you don't have to make a decision to go out in my experience the world will put that opportunity in front of you man like I was I, I, I left the back door open I blew out my knee I went to a doctor he wrote me a prescription we're off to the races you know I got a medical need for it um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, I, I, I in in a general way, what I would say is I've had a couple of different um, breaking points, but the last one and the most meaningful one um, was like I had I was telling people that I had sober time that I didn't have, mm. which is an awful feeling. And I, uh, the guy that I work with now, uh, who I knew from before I got sober, um, said to me, uh, "How you doing?" I go, "I'm fucking miserable, man." And he goes. Uh, how long do you have? And I told him how long I was supposed to have, how long I yeah. told everybody I had. And it was just fucking eating at me. It was eating at me, it was eating at me, it was eating at me all day. And dude, I take secrets to the grave. But I called that guy later on that day, and I go, one day, dude. I go, one day. And he goes, uh, that's awesome. And I just broke down in tears and started saying, I don't, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? I don't, I don't know how to do this, you know? And, and that's why, like, when I work with guys and they don't call, I don't get it, man, because that dude's phone was ringing. You know what I mean? Like, if that guy told me to eat a piece of dog shit, I would have been like, nope, sucks, but I got to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm in. I'm yeah. in, and I am almost superstitious about yeah. the letter of the law. I mean, I, I, I do the writing, I do the work, I make the phone calls, I go to the meetings, and, um, and I don't say no to a request. Yeah. You know? I, my, my sponsor told me a story about a guy who uh, he came in, and he, and he was looking for his buddy who was his sponsor, asked him to be his sponsor, and he goes, you want me to be your sponsor? And he, he goes, well, yeah, and he had this big beard, and he goes, shave your beard and be back here tomorrow. And the guy was like, he walked off. He came back the next day. All right. Shaved his whole beard off. He goes, all right, I just want to see if you do what I told yeah. you to do. That's it. Dude's been sober for like, I don't know, six, seven years or something like yeah. that. After that. Yeah. So taking taking order. That's hard for yeah. us to do. Take order. I don't want to be told what to do. Don't fucking tell me what to do. You know what well, I mean? Well, like I mean, that? how many times do you get that like, hey, could you talk to my sister-in-law? She's oh a fucking God. mess at Thanksgiving, oh, and we're all yeah. worried about her. And I'm like, have you ever yeah. talked to her about it? He's like, no. But I was thinking maybe you could. You know, and I'm like, dude. You're a professional. Yeah, and it's like, you know. 
It's hard to get sober when you want to get sober. If yeah. somebody doesn't want to get sober, hey, man, you me. know, sounds like you got one more in you. Hope yeah. you make it back, you know? Yeah. John, I appreciate you, man. We're, we're going to wrap this thing up. But we have to, uh, one last question, anybody? Good? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mean like, did I have trouble creatively once I took it away? Um, no. Uh, I would say in a way you don't realize how heavy something is until you put it down. So for me, getting sober was sort of like taking the donut off a bat and going, wow, I had no fucking idea this thing was this light. You know what I mean? My job became easier. Showing up with a good attitude became easier, being on time, being outgoing, asking everybody how they were doing. You know, when I leave someplace, whether it's a club or a set, I want every single person from the PA to the EP to go, wow, what a fucking great guy, man. I hope I get to work with him again. You know what I mean? Awesome. Um, but I will, I will say this. It did impact me negatively last uh, May. I host a show on Food Network, and we shoot in... Um, in New Orleans, and uh, they uh, they had us in this old funky hotel, and I, I check into this hotel. I'm going to be there for two weeks, and uh, uh, in the you know French uh, quarter, and uh, open up this old timey uh, this big uh, refrigerator, and there were three shelves of alcohol, and that doesn't include the full fucking bar in the corner of the room, <laughs> and I called the front desk, and I go. Hey, could you guys take the alcohol out so I could, you know, put anything in my fridge? And uh, the guy goes, oh, yeah, that'll be 35 bucks. <laughs> and I was like, motherfucker, they charge you to not drink in New Orleans. <laughs> so, yeah. yes, I consider that a negative. That's it cost negative. me 35 bucks to stay sober in New wow. Orleans. That's terrible. I'm never going there. Dude, it was like people were <laughs> drinking in the fucking elevator to the bar. I'm like, yeah. is the ride down from six that long? Yeah, you can't wait. You know what I mean? You just, I don't want to get the shakes, you yeah. know? Uh, dude, nice. this was awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. I really Thank appreciate you. it. John Henson, everybody. And loving you was easy. All right, we got one more guest, everybody. That was great, man. Good stuff. Um, I, you know, I, I know I already said it, but I just I appreciate everybody for coming out tonight. Um, love you guys very much. Thank you. Um, our next guest is a, a former professional stand-up comic, uh, having appeared at the Comedy Store, Laugh Factory, and the Improv. Um, she's been the sole columnist for the online addiction and recovery magazine, The Fix, thefix.com. She's also written for the Good Men Project, the Frisky Refinery 29, uh, an addiction.com. Um, she also released her first book in September of 2017. It's called My Fair Junkie, a memoir of getting dirty and staying clean. Give it up for Amy Dresner. <laughs> Amy. Hey. How's it going? It's going good. Good to finally That's meet some you. Some good shit. I know, right? Yeah, we've talked on the yeah. phone. We've been on the podcast before. Uh, we did the 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 ninety day uh, sobriety course, which was oh, cool. Right. I appreciate yeah, yeah, you. I yeah. forgot about that too. 
Uh, so, so what's going on? How's uh, how's life? Life's good, man. I mean, life's in session. Whatever. It's how's like, Colonel you know, Puff Puff? Colonel Puff Puff's fucking rocking, man. <laughs> He's the shit, man. It's your cat, That's right? That's my yeah. I think I'm gonna fucking die. Like it's like everyone's like I get all these messages about my book and be like, you saved my life, man. Like I feel less broken, alone, less ashamed. Like thank you so much. And it's like cool. I haven't had a date since the fucking book came out, but I'm glad I fucking saved your fucking life. I'm gonna die an old fucking cat lady, but I've saved lives. So who gives a shit if I ever get fucking laid again? I love that you're so uh, open about being the crazy cat lady too. I'm not, so I don't great. think I am. I have one cat. I you're mean, the, you're a people cat are like lady. Scott. He has on Instagram. He's amazing. I'm like, yeah. I'm not going that far. He's got a following though, right? I know. And then, a, then yeah, I have insane. like uh, this reader who is a digital artist, and then he like puts Colonel Puff Puff in like a Russian astronaut at costumes and puts him in the clouds and shit. And like, I, I mean, I just post him, and people are like, those are amazing. <laughs> so, um, how, how's the book? The book, the I, book mean, you get, you get so, I know you have such a good community around you, support. Yeah, recovery, I want to say thank you all yeah. for coming out. I'm just yeah. like blown away by Thank you guys. Thank you. You know, that's the, that's the fucking dopest part about being sober is you're just like, hey man, this is happening and I need support. And everyone's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's like, legit. I mean, all like my peeps and my peeps, peeps and my peeps, peeps, peeps came out. And it's like, I'm like, holy yeah. fuck, okay, I feel loved. And I fucking chilled out, you know? You're getting a lot of uh, good response from the book. I mean, I see this shit on on social media all the time. People, yeah, I'm not like posting I mean, people's like messages to me anymore because they just feel really personal at this point and stuff yeah. like that. And I feel like it's also like just like like me just jacking off on Instagram. It just feels like too much. Like, like we get it. Like people love your book and it's real and like. They identify, so I'm just kind of like chilling on that. But um, no, the paperback came out in September, right? It was so funny. You were like, hey, I realized on Friday, I get a, <laughs> I get a text from Shane. He's like, hey, I realized we're having this event. It's like a ball fest, and we need like <laughs> some sober vagina. I'm like, uh, I'm like, first of all, people think I have a bigger dick than most guys. Just want to let you know that. Second of all, but thank you for asking me, and absolutely I'll be there. And secondly, fuck you for asking me last minute, not thinking about me first i apologized uh, already you know but, i love you um, of course um yeah some of those I messages are, are crazy huh the messages yeah yeah in a good way I crazy, no like, i cry like, i mean it's you know it's amazing i mean you don't yeah. make a lot of money off a book i was like i'm gonna buy a tesla and have a house <laughs> in the hills and i'll buy you a boob job and you know it's like none of that's fucking happened you know what i mean i still live in my shitty apartment and you know colonel chases cockroaches and whatever but it's like you know the effect that it's had that I've able to take like 20 years of fucking self-destruction and yeah. hatred and pain and like all these horrible things and make them into a tool that's helped other people has been incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like that to be of service. It was just like it's the it's I, I, there's no feeling. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best part of it for sure. You know, and um, yeah, I don't I don't I don't have any. uh I don't have any uh, celebrity clients like uh, like Darren, but I have Dude, some celebrity yeah. fucks if you guys want to hear about that <laughs> shit. I fucked a lot of celebrities when I was loaded. Um, uh, I didn't even say it. Just take it no, away. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. So, so you, will you talk? You... I'm there embarrassing, dude. When you're fucking loaded, you fuck some embarrassing psychos. <laughs> it's like, it's fucking, you're like... You know, if you can figure out who they are in the book, figure it out. But, like, I tried. And they went through legal, and we doctored that shit. And one guy got <laughs> cut out. I was like, whew. You know, he's just embarrassing. I was like, God, did really? That's what shooting coke will do you. Fucking well, so, so, so let's talk about shooting coke in a bike helmet. That's one of my favorite stories. Oh. How about that? Okay. Want to show that um, one? All right. So 
Trying to well, paint I that developed picture. I developed epilepsy from crystal meth. Um, I stayed up for 17 days on crystal meth, and I wrote a new Bible. It was awesome, and um, <laughs> I thought thought I had the mathematical equation for God and stuff like that. So, and you know, it's like I was like a crafty tweaker. Like some tweakers fuck a lot of people, and this was not like my non-fucking period. This was like when I just like collaged a lot and like you know, plucked my eyebrows for 18 straight hours and weird shit like that. And, um, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, I was five years clean. I'm like John where I've had many sobrieties, uh, and I just got six years on January 2nd. Oh, nice. Yeah. Congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, I got a cake last night from these two gentlemen and it was fucking amazing. And it was like That's very, awesome. it just was, it was really, really yeah. moving. Um, yeah, this sobriety has been different. Because I lost everything, and then I finally got my shit together. Um, yeah. well, how many times did you relapse? I can't even count. A lot. Yeah. A lot, a I've lot been of in six rehabs. Rehab, I've been in, yeah. I've been in, I was, you know, in and out for 20 years. So, yeah. but I, so at about five years clean, I was living in Paris, and, uh, <laughs> And uh, I, I started having grand mal seizures, and I went to a French neurologist, and I would just like wake up on the floor, like <laughs> you know, like fucking bleeding, and like people were like, "What the fuck?" And I went to a French neurologist, and he did all these tests, and he's like, "Did you do a lot of cocaine?" And I was like, "I did a lot of crystal meth." He's like, "This, you have hyperactive lesions on your frontal lobe," and I was like, "Fuck, man." So, um, but that, so I was like, that's not good at all. Um, so is that how you got the bike helmet on? And so then, then like later I relapsed a couple years later cause fucking epilepsy isn't going to stop me. Fuck that. Right. So I'm shooting cocaine and I kept having seizures and, and you know, I had this epiphany. I was like, Oh fuck. You know, wasn't that I had to get sober. It was like, Oh, shooting Coke is a high impact sport, man. Like I need to wear <laughs> protective gear. So I Genius. shot coke in a bike helmet. Yeah, so I wouldn't crack my head open. And uh, anyone it worked. get a, pic- anyone get a picture of that? I mean, uh, that would have been amazing. Anyone get a picture? Of well, that? I was by myself. Who's gonna take a picture? True. You know what yeah. I mean? It's That's like smart, yeah. But it was like no. It was first. I like just tried to like lay down in a pit of pillows and be like, you know. And then uh, and then I was like, fuck it. Let's wear a fucking you know like a helmet. And then I was like, good to go. If I fell down, and cracked my and I fucking seized. I was cool. I was like, okay, whatever. It was just like a little more water next time. Whatever. <laughs> You know, just shake it off. You know. What so. about the What about the Hollywood chain gang? He was on a Hollywood. Chain so gang. yeah. So for those story. of you who don't know, uh, yeah. So my bottom, my book opens with me um, pulling a knife on my now ex husband because people don't your husbands don't really like when you try and kill them and uh, so. <laughs> Uh, I pulled a knife on my ex. Uh, he was a fucking asshole. Whatever. And uh, <laughs> he fucking deserved it. And uh, it wasn't even the right kind of knife. Like, it didn't even have a sharp edge. It was a sourdough cutting knife. I would have had to been like, hold still. You got a saw. Well, I saw any of you. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> Whatever. Pussy calls the cops on me. And I get arrested for felony domestic violence. Like, I weigh a buck 15. He was like 300 pounds. Like, just grab the knife. Like, I'm a skinny desert Jew, you know, strung out on oxy. Just grab it and be like, you crazy bitch. Like, anyway, he calls the cops and I get arrested for felony domestic violence with a deadly weapon. And I go to jail. And uh, on Christmas of 2011, my parents were so proud. They were like, yay. Uh, we raised you so well. What the fuck? And uh, so I uh, I lost everything. I got I I, lo- I ended up going through a divorce, a criminal trial, and um, I went. I was given 240 hours on of community labor and a year of domestic violence counseling. And so community labor is like on the chain gang. When you see those guys like sweeping the streets, 
You know what I mean? With the fucking outfits. Yeah, so it was like me and like 40 Mexican guys. And they're like, what you here for, Weta, huh? I'm here for a DUI. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm here for felony domestic violence with a deadly weapon? They were like, oh, shit, you know? So, yeah, it was, it was fucking humbling. I was the only girl, and, uh, yeah, I had more time than anyone else, and I, had, I was, like, the only one there for violent assault, and, yeah, it was, it was interesting, so. Was that the last, uh, the last episode since you've been sober or since you oh yeah i yeah i yeah i have yeah i have not i have not before that you were a professional four loco drinker too well that i started getting into four loco after i got arrested i was like everyone know what four loco yeah four loco yeah that shit is oh my god whoa it's terrible yeah no it's amazing actually it's uh it's basically it's like five beers and four cups of coffee in one fucking can of like and it's like 99 flavored shit yeah you go to any like 7-eleven or four or gas station i just was like what's got the highest alcohol content and I was like, that. And I was like, and it was malt liquor. And I was like, I hear malt liquor fucks you up. I was like, let's do this. So, um, yeah, I'm a horrible, horrible drunk. Like, I'm someone who gets naked and violent immediately. And I completely black out. And it's like, and I, it was like John was saying, like, you leave a party before, like, you say, you know, you know what, fucking, you know. I actually, that's exactly what I would do. I'd drink and I'd be like, you know what I hate about you? It's like, oh, good, here we go. So, um, yeah. The best, you know, and it's in the book, was um, I didn't want to drive drunk, so I, I had to pick up my friend from her her, her job working for, you know, a million-dollar producer guy. And uh, so I, I got a bunch of Four Locos, and I parked in front of her, uh, in front of his mansion up in the Hollywood Hills, and I just got shit-faced and uh, waited for her. And she came out, and she goes, are you driving my car drunk? I was like, No. I parked and then I got drunk. <laughs> and she's like, she's, I, was, I was very, uh, and she goes, responsible? I was like, yes, that's so responsible. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're driving back to her house because my ex had thrown me out of the house. And uh, I go, I'm going to be sick. And she was like, oh, great. So she hands me a plastic bag and I th- start throwing up into it. And it has a hole in it. And so all of the vomit oh, just goes sick. onto my pants. And I was like, it's on me. Well, how is it on me? I understand. She's like, fuck. So she pulls it over, and I'm like, I need to take my pants off. And she's like, no, Amy, don't. And I was like, I need to take my pants off right now. So I take my pants off, and we're in Echo Park, and there's an AA meeting. And so it's like all the hipsters with their like asymmetrical haircuts and their like glasses. <laughs> and I was like, is that an AA meeting? And I'm like in my underwear drunk. I'm like, hi, guys. You know, terrible oh my god the worst what uh <laughs> fucking speechless right Why now right? <laughs> fucking worst oh man you're too funny i mean there's a so, sto- well, yeah go on well I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna let you fucking lead bitch i'll Come try <laughs> <laughs> so you I want to say my fair faucet looked really good, and then it jewed out fucking from the weather. I was like, when I left my house, my hair looked fucking perfect, and now it's all jewing out. It's fucking <laughs> Jufro coming. Sorry. What is what is jewing out? Or it's the Jufro. Fucking, I have curly oh, hair. I'm like, yeah. It's like when I went to New hair? Orleans, really? man, my hair was like straight, and then I got off the plane, and it went like Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana. That's how they know if you're a Jew. They're just like, you, you know? It's like, that fucking weather's brutal, man. 
Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. This is fucking great. I love it. I mean, I'm sorry. Where else can we go sit and tell uh, stories and talk recovery and have fun? You know, and just you want to talk recovery instead of just no. I shitty, actually want to hear shooting fucking coke more in my shitty, s- shitty stories, but we can kind of mix. Oh, uh, well, okay. What do you guys want to hear? Story. Yeah, okay. Stories. See? See, that's what matters. All right, here's a story they cut from the book, um, and they cut this D-list celebrity that I banged who was married. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't that even. I oh. You know, you know when you think back, like, have you ever seen like look back and you're like, wow, that was a bad haircut. Like, this is like one of those where you're like, wow, what the fuck was I thinking? You know, I fucked him. You know, but um, anyway, I called this celebrity. I I relapsed. I was shooting cocaine in my house by myself. Fucking party one, man. And uh, uh, and um, I called him and I was like, I relapsed. And he was like, Oh my god, are you okay? And he was like, I'm at the Craig Ferguson show. Um, I'll be right over after. And I was like, I went. I was I was trying to get him to come over and fuck me. I'm not stupid. And uh. So anyway, I thought, I was like, I'm going to put on a black negligee. And I put on like a black negligee and like a push-up bra. And I shot up right before he came. And he opens the door. And then I have blood pouring down my arm. And I was like, hi. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. <laughs> and then I like went through his like fucking bag of stash, like his mug and his t-shirt and his candle and whatever. What yeah. was his response to that? Hi. And he was just like, wow, are you <laughs> bleeding? Like, and I was like, yeah. I was like, you, sh-, you know. He, d- he had tattooed his sobriety date on him, and he only had like eight months, which I do not recommend because, yeah, that's you know, that's like my ex tattooing my name on his body. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. You know what I mean? As much as you might think this is your sobriety or this is like the love of your life, don't fucking tattoo that shit on your body, man. I had to, it took me two years to get his fucking name off my ring finger. You have two any years. more tattoos? No. No? Mm-hmm. Clean. I got Jess's uh, maiden initials tattooed on the back of my neck. So yeah, but I you guys have be married. No, but I got it before we got married, which is kind of crazy it's, to yeah, me. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, they say it's yeah. a bad omen, but you yeah. guys. It worked fine. out for us so yeah, far, I guess. You're fine. So we're good. Um, ten years. Ten Ten years. It's amazing. Yeah, crazy. yeah, I think that the longest relationship, my 10-year relationship was like with my hairdresser, really. That's like, <laughs> you know, it's like the longest relationship I've had. But um, um, I think another thing that they cut out of the book was, oh, when my sponsor fucked me, that was good. That's a good, yeah, yeah, they cut yeah, that you, out. So uh, re- let me interject here real fast, because you, th- you're a unique case in here. They always say when you have a sponsor... If you're a man, you should have a male sponsor. If you're a woman, you should have that, okay, well, a first woman of all, sponsor. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not implying anything. I'm just saying. What are you, so what are you saying? What the fuck, Amy? No. Why are you? Fu- <laughs> what What is that? How How um, did that come I was about? raised by my dad. I'm just more comfortable with men. I can yeah. hear men better. I just wasn't close to my mom. I had a couple female sponsors. They were like, holy fuck, we can't handle you. And yeah. um, I'm sort of a dude inside. And so... This guy, well, you know, fucked me during a relapse, which is really shady. And welcome to LAAA. Hey. Uh, huh. And then never called me again. Nice, right? Wow. Don't you want to work the steps now that you've been inside me? Um, um, I did have a black lesbian sponsor for a while, for like three and a half years. And she was like, you know, you're fucking your way through AA. You need to like go to only women's meetings and gay meetings. And I was like, well, how am I going to get laid doing that? <laughs> and she's like, you not, baby. You're going to concentrate on recovery. I'm like, well, that sounds fucking boring. <laughs> and uh, so I was going to women's meetings and gay meetings. And uh, this man walked into the meeting. And they were like, we're sorry. This is a women's meeting. 
and she's like, I am a woman. She was like super butch and she looked like a dude. And I was like, hello. <laughs> and I just crushed out because we'll take, you know, we'll take anything. If you've got, if you have an urge, like, you know what I mean? I was like, okay, guy light. She can fucking fix cars and she likes Tori Amos and ice cream, whatever. Like, let's do this. And she was not into me at all. She was like, I, you know, I, I just, I, I can't, Amy. And I'm like, why, man? I mean, I'm more pulled with guys. I'm like, guys fucked me all the time. Like, what's your problem? And she's like, you're, you're a newcomer, and that's a sanctity I can't violate. I'm like, just you saying violate makes me so hot. <laughs> and she was just like, she goes, you know, and, and uh, you know, you're, uh, you're straight. I don't fuck with straight girls. And I was like, uh, okay. And she's like, and you're crazy. <laughs> and I was like, so you're saying I have a chance here. That's what you're saying. So anyway, that didn't work out. Yeah. I, I think the point of the... So now the I, have, I have a male sponsor again, but he is like 145 years old, and he's, um yeah. So his dick doesn't... No, work. no, no. No, I feel comfortable with him. I tell him everything, and I have a male sponsee. And I have two female sponsees and a male sponsee because I was told that it's one alcoholic working with another. I mean, if you're gay, then should you have an opposite sex sponsor? If you have clean motives, mm. and it's cool, and everyone's got good fucking clean like, you know, boundaries, it's, it yeah. works. You know well, what I, I mean? And I think that was to the point earlier made that sh certain things that work for some people don't always work for yeah, I mean, You got to kind of stay open to that because I think in, in recovery, you see a lot of people get ner real narrow-minded. This is the only yeah, thing. Yeah, that fundamentalist like shit. Like, no I'm one not wants down to with that. Really yeah. deal. I, mean, I mean, I know I don't. When AAs first started, all fucking women were sponsored by men. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, that's that was the deal. So yeah, it's it like, a little different. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just, yeah, I... Oh shit! Okay. No, we're about to, um, about to dance, man. Shit. What? So, what else has been up? What's going on in the in the sober life of Amy Dresner? Besides, besides massive book promoting and doing. I'm shows going to Port. Yeah, I'm going to Portland. You've done like every I'm podcast going, available. I'm going to Portland. Um, I'm going to Washington. I'm going to Ohio, all for the book or to do speaking. I'm getting into speaking. Um, my um, my book's been optioned for a TV series and it's in development, really? which is really exciting. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's really cool. That's really so. awesome. So how do, so how does that work? What does that mean? I to, can't really to, talk that much yeah. about it. Oh yeah, it's gonna keep it on the low. I'm serious. Like I yeah. can't. I, that's all I'm allowed to say right now. Huh. Internet. That's kind of that's kind of yeah. secretive. But it's and cool like you know, just yeah. wait for Breaking Bad with tits for, to come <laughs> to TV near you. <laughs> that's funny. You know, that's what we need, right? Like a fucking let's show the real shit. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I got, I mean, I'm just, I'm, my book is different from everyone else's because I sort of like leave, no, like, I'm going to do like a podcast that's like called The Bullpen and it's like being in jail. So I can do that. I can do sex addiction podcasts because I had that. I can do drug stuff. I can do recovery yeah. stuff. It's like, you know, I've just fucked up in all, I can do mental illness ones. <laughs> I like fucked up in all areas of my life. I can do eating disorder shit. Like, I got it all covered. You know what I mean? You're good because there's a podcast for yeah. every yeah, topic yeah, out there right yeah. now. Yeah, I'm so like I mean. multi talented, a multi talented oh, yeah. fuck up. So it's like, you need someone, they're like, oh, Amy. You know, it's like, <laughs> so. she'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, you've been on a ton of podcasts. But I mean, that, that's what it's about, though. You're out there, you're spreading the word, you're adding some comedy to it. Um, well, I think shit. that's what's really that's important. I mean, that's what totally. I want to, you know, it's like so many recovery podcasts and so many recovery speakers are so fucking serious. And it's like, yeah. if you know, I, I just, I couldn't have gotten through the things I got through if I hadn't if found the humor. And I yeah. think humor is really important. And I think it's really important in terms of diminishing shame. And it's like, I also want newcomers to know you can fucking laugh and be happy in sobriety. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
It's not like all serious and shit. Yeah. It's not like, oh, let's have tea and go to sleep at nine. You know, it's like fucking, you know, <laughs> and like we can fucking, you know. Well, I hate, yeah, and I hate that there's certain places or meeting or whatever where it's very, a very somber tone. I can't, I can't do those. Oh, uh, well, it's I like to, I, uh, you should see me in those meetings. I just like totally fucking, <laughs> you know, I just say the most outrageous shit ever. So yeah, I, well, yeah. I took a cake. It's the, like I told you yesterday. And this guy came up to me and he goes, I heard you share once. You're, you're one sick fuck. I was like, <laughs> thank you. I don't know. I mean, I didn't even know what to say to that. I was just yeah. like, okay. Thank you. you I know. appreciate that. But you're honest, though. That's no. the thing. It's you're, Well, you're no one likes, you know, they, uh, they, I don't think a lot of people, they don't like real honesty, you know, when you fucking talk the real deal. You know, like yeah. when I talk about like, you know, like six step or seven step and like character defects and stuff. And they're like, God will remove it from you. I'm like, God's not some fucking wizard who's going to pluck that shit out of you. He's got other shit to do. Like, you're going to do that. You get to do the work. You get to act as if, you know, and that's been really, I mean, I lost everything and I was like on the chain gang and I was like, okay, you know, and everyone was over my shit. Yeah. I mean, I was 40 fucking two years old and people were just like, there was no more money. There were no more chances. Everyone was like, we're tired. My dad was like, I'm over this. And I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> <laughs> fucking six rehabs and four psych wards. Like, what are you over? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> what are you over, Papa? You know, and he was like, I'm just it's getting tired, man. You at the yeah. bottom of the well. And I was like, ooh. He's just like, I'm over it. You've been draining me financially and emotionally for years. Like, fucking call me with good news or don't call me. Yeah. And I was like, oh. So um, how, how is that today for you? Like we're really close. My dad yeah. and I are really, really Isn't close. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Like how that can, yeah, you can no. come back just from yeah. doing the work. He hasn't read like he doesn't want to read about me being banged by like r Tinder randos and shit like that. So he hasn't read the whole book and he doesn't want to read about me like shooting up in my jugular and shit like that. Yeah. So it's like but um, uh, my mom has dementia. So that's uh, she's I'm in charge of all of her stuff now. So she's sort of. That's kind of sad, but that's life. And I'm really yeah. lucky that I'm sober and able to show up for it. Because I was like, I don't know. I think that universe gives you exactly what you need. Like, I've always been like, I don't want to do my taxes. And I don't want to take care of myself. Yay. You know? And it was like, universe was like, really, bitch? Here, you get to do now all your mom's financials, too. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. You know? It's funny how that happens. So, yeah. you Here know. you go. Give you a... Give you some some shit to do that you never thought you would do in your entire yeah, life. Yeah, now I'm c completely responsible for all my mom's financial. You're shit. You're responsible. I know. Check you out. I know. Look it's at so that. weird. <laughs> totally become. I do, I I've, well, I become exactly the person that I've always made fun of. You know, like really? I work out every day and like all. You know, it's like. I'm not vegan yet, thank God, but like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Those people that are yeah. like, I used to smoke meth and now I'm vegan. You're like, what? <laughs> you know, so it's like, I'm not, I haven't gone that fucking far, you know? But, um. All right, we got, we, we just got the time call here. Let's, uh, you want to take a couple questions before we wrap this up? I feel up? like I got the short end of the stick here, or did I just do like riffing? I'm too much riffing. No, you did fucking amazing. Amy did amazing, right? I mean, come on, like, that was fucking legit right there. The time, it's funny how I feel time, like I talked enough about flies. recovery. No one gives Dude, a fuck. I was like, we know how to recover, bitch. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, it was that. I mean, that's, I think it's a good, well-rounded kind of, just shut the fuck up, Shane. <laughs> any, any questions? Any que what do we got questions out there, anybody? Come on, guys. Let's Come on. Let's, get, let's get a couple Ask questions a in before question. we wrap this up. Joseph. What's your next exciting project? Oof. Um, God, you and everyone else has asked me that. Um, I'm actually writing a piece... Um, for the fix about fitness. 
because now I'm into working out because I'm geeky. And um, and it gives you a fucking high. Like, I'm looking to get high. Oh, yeah. And also, yeah. I'm fucking 49 years old. Shit's dropping. I was like, what's that hitting my knees? I'm like, oh, that's my ass. Okay, that's like fucking time to work out, you know? Um, I am star- I started the second book. And, um, you know, I'm hoping to be writing on my TV series in the next year. So that's, that's cool. sort of, you know. I want, I want to give a little shout-out to Joseph, too. I don't remember what episode number it is, but Joseph over there has been on uh, been on the podcast before. He's I, uh, uh, The first book, Straight Pepper Diet, he's got an amazing story. Amazing. So it's, fucking, it's insane. So th- thanks for coming tonight. Yeah, too. it was really nice to see you. I was in yeah. my car freaking out, and he walked by, and he was yeah. like, hey. And I was like, oh, my God, you keep me to support. That's so cool. Yeah. Any other questions, anyone? we got two. Okay, go ahead first right there. I am. I brought books like a fucking Garmento too. Like I bought my book. You want my book? I sell my book. I sign it for you. I will have. I will sign. I will sell them. I yeah. actually. I ended up buying them um, from my publisher, but I will sell them for what they cost on uh, on uh, Amazon. So and I and so I'm actually taking like a hit. But uh, yeah, I've got hard covers, and I've got soft covers. <laughs> Another question? There you go, sir. Oh wow, Jesus! Damn, that could Is that go you, for Matt? <laughs> you fucking piece of shit! Really? <laughs> wow. Um, I think that you can get sober anywhere, and you can get loaded anywhere, and that's been my experience. So I relapsed in most rehabs, or when I got out of most rehabs. I think I know people have gotten sober in jail. I know a lot of people have overdosed in rehab, and so I think it's a matter of timing and you wanting it. Yeah. Um. I don't know that they taught me anything in rehab. I mean, you know, you do the groups and, you know, art therapy (laughs) and whatever. It's like, you know, yoga and, you know, all these process groups and whatever, you know, in a lot of meetings. But um, I kind of got sober in the rooms, you know, which is like. By showing up, right? So, you know, well, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, for me, though, when I'm using, I have to be contained to stop. Whether it's a psych ward or a hospital or a rehab, I, they need to. You need to hold me and contain me for at least a week to to get me to stop, and then I can. You know, I was in sober living for two and a half years. Yeah, like straitjacket hold you like that kind of fucking. No, I've never shit. been in straitjacket. Incredibly, oh, okay. isn't that incredible? <laughs> I know. I'm so fucking psycho. You'd think I would. You know, like look at my new like come de garçon jacket with all the buckles, you guys. No, I've never been in a straitjacket. I've. I'm usually pretty obedient once I fucking in somewhere. I'm like, okay. Anyone else? Any questions, anybody? All right. Well, we appreciate you guys. Amy, I love you. I appreciate you coming out tonight. Thank you so much for supporting. Yeah, Give it up for Amy Dresner, everybody. All right. All right, guys, that wraps it up for tonight. And, uh, you know, these uh, uh, podcasts come out every Friday. We put some random ones out during the week as well. Um, you can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it at thatsoberguy.com. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you so much for coming out and supporting tonight. And uh, you guys have a safe night and be well. Love you. <laughs>